This is the Flow Row Podcast. Uh, today on the show, we have Not My Cousin Dan. Funny thing about this episode, it wasn't really planned, uh, but Not My Cousin Dan really wanted to do an episode on musicals, so you know I couldn't say no. Uh, I got him on here. It was actually a pretty good episode. I really enjoyed listening to him, and I learned a lot about Not My Cousin Dan. But anyway, if you want to support the podcast, head on over to Shop dot theflowrealpodcast.com get yourself a nifty little mug with the logo on it uh, a shirt maybe a beach towel whatever anyway i enjoyed this episode i hope you enjoy it too uh here's the show all right here we go um welcome to another episode of the flow Row podcast this is edgar otra vez with my good friend, not my cousin Dan. Uh, and today we're going to be doing not my cousin Dan's five favorite musicals. So, um, and, and it's funny because yeah. you, you were like, you were like, oh, I want to do musicals too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just take an ax and chop down the masculinity tree there. We'll uh, whack it to the ground. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll, we'll do something real masculine. Yeah, right. right. At, you know, we'll go at each other's house. We're going to go like top five Dolph Lundgren movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we while we're punching each other in the stomach. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So for every one of these, uh, every time I name a movie, you just reach through the screen and whack me right in the stomach. Just, bam! <laughs> that'll be that'll be great. Yeah. Uh, well, no, but I, I listened to I listened to your top five musicals with Emily. Yeah, I'm not not very masculine there. Starting off with the, the Little Mermaid. Yeah, but see, it's okay because you got a little daughter. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. You got a daughter, and and that gives you a different perspective on things. Yeah, I think if I didn't have a daughter, it'd still be Little Mermaid, but we'll see. <laughs> but but yeah, we'll go There's with nothing your... wrong with the Little Mermaid. Now, I I will point out there are no Disney movies on my list, but that's because I, I I put those in like they go in a separate category in my mind. Like Disney movies, even if they're musicals, they uh-huh. they have their own little category. It's something different for some reason, the way that I think about it. <clears throat> because they're animated, right? Um, could be. Could be because they're animated. But I don't know. There's there's always been, with the exception of like the 80s, like the, 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 the late 70s through the mid to late 80s until The Little Mermaid came out. Uh, there, there's a gap there where Disney movies were really, really second rate, you know. They're, yeah. But, but like, like through that that golden age of the '50s, and then and then starting with the Little Mermaid, really, and then up through now, they're just in a they, they have there's something to it beyond the branding, you mm-hmm. know. There's a magic to Disney movies. There's something, there's a little bit of magic in there 
that just puts them on a different plane of existence like no they're not and i don't mean they're superior to anything else there's just there there's something different even if you go back to like the love bug movies yeah and like freaky friday there's something different about those movies uh there's just a different energy to them that that even at their cheesiest you have to enjoy them you have to smile at them they uh you know I, that's funny because for a minute there, I thought you were saying that they were just kind of other, but you're not saying. No, they're, no, they're, there's they're something like, else. They're, they're up. In the, yeah. The, you know, a little uh, bit. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's just, it's a different, it's like a whole different planet of movie making. There, there's, there's a different energy to Disney movies and there just always will be. Um, yeah. They, 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 tap, ta- they tap into something. It, just like Pixar movies, yeah, it's something different. They 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 tap into something that other movies don't tap into. I I think um, being a um, uh, you know having studied the craft of of animation and stuff like that, and especially uh, uh, knowing I'm Edgar and I have studied the craft of animation. Well, man. that's what we're doing here, right? We're being, <laughs> we're being film snobs, right? I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you want to bust out credentials on me? That's fine. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you 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 got credentials. I mean, you know, we all nothing got... worth boasting about. Oh, <laughs> uh, now you're now now you're cutting me down for boasting. Come on, man. This is this is what we're doing here. Hey, <laughs> you got to boast a little bit. Hey, we we're we're taking the axe to the tree of masculinity today. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, we're just punching each other in the nuts now. It's just <laughs> that's what we're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is the episode where we prove we're not as manly as we say we are. Um, Edgar and I Rochambeau constantly for an hour and a half. I don't know what Rochambeau is, but I don't know if I want to know. Well, Rochambeau, like, okay, the, that's the French called rock, scissors, paper, Rochambeau. Oh, okay. But you I go thought it was something to, like, really bad. An old, an old South Park episode. Uh-huh. There's an old South Park episode where they're like, you want a Rochambeau for it? Uh, <laughs> And the kids are like, what's Rochambeau? And I forget who it was that the, the, the started it, but it's like, it's where I kick you in the balls. And then if you can handle it, you kick me in the balls. And the last <laughs> one standing wins. You know? uh, oh, dude, there's, have you ever seen the slapping contests? There's like, no, dude, dude this is, there's, there's I, like the Monty Python fish slapping contest. Dude, I don't think you, I can't believe you haven't heard of this. There's, there are dudes like big dudes too, like not little guys, not like little tiny guys, big giant, like fucking what are the strong men type, you know, the, the guys that carry the giant logs across the, the field and shit. Those kind of guys are slapping each other. Right. <laughs> and, and, and it's a, it's a contest. They I wonder sit- if my mom could get into that. Well, my mom <laughs> circa 1985 could get into that. contest. <laughs> I don't know. Slap someone's face right off. It gives me the impression that maybe it was an Eastern European thing. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds kind of Polish. And I, I say that as a Polish person, it sounds, it sounds like it could be a Polish thing or, you know, a Slavic Baltic sort of thing. I was, I was like maybe Russian. I don't know, whatever, you know, but like, but like, yeah, these dudes, they strap into a, a table, right? They hold onto this table and I guess they are, they're tied to it too or something. And they, and they and they take turns smacking each other and they and they let themselves like the guy one guy will 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 measure he'll put his hand next to the guy's face and then take a couple of like you know test swings and make sure he doesn't miss 
And then he haul, he like just totally just lands giant slaps on, on, on the other guy. Like he just slaps him. And then so, if the guy, and then if the guy doesn't knock out, which happens, some guys just get slapped so hard, they just go to sleep. And if and if the guy survives, he comes back and they just keep going back until someone <laughs> until someone just can't anymore. Until someone just can't anymore, like because they're knocked out. So, or, so that's gonna be your next podcast with Martin. <laughs> top five slap fights. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so silly. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is exactly what the internet needs. It's exactly, yes. I will tell you which ones are the best slap slap do you fight. Remember, I, I think they still do it. Did you ever get into Kaiju Big Battle? Oh, no. What is, like, oh, you mean Kaiju, like, you, like the, they would, it was like a convention where like, it was like almost a kind of like a precursor to, um, cosplay like people they, they would create like a big foam rubber city oh. and people would dress up as like they would create their own, either either cosplay like like uh godzilla monsters uh-huh or they'd make up their own monster costume and then they they would fight they Ooh. would fight that sounds like shit i used to do as a five-year-old that sounds awesome yeah yeah i gotta look into it see if it's still if it's still something that they do Fuck, dude, that would, I would love to be like, you know, enrolled in the tournament where I could do that shit. <laughs> you know what? You can just start doing it, dude. So wait a minute. Go, go to your B, go to your BJJ sessions dressed up like Mothra. There you go. Not Mothra. Mothra is the, the fucking, the giant butterfly thing, right? Yeah. Giant moth. No, 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 no. <laughs> make me Gamera. Or Gamera? Make me, Gamera, I, Gamera, I love. Gamera is like one of my favorite kaiju movies mm -hmm. because of the little boy who's like in love with Gamera. Like Gamera is just like bounding around the earth, destroying everything, and and the little boy's like, no, he's good, he's a good monster. <laughs> and then they launch Gamera to Mars in the nose of a giant rocket ship, and the end of the movie is this big puppet turtle bounding around Mars. I love that movie. Uh, I we, love that. We got to do an episode of of kaiju, but I, like I the kaiju, yeah. But I'm I'm not a, a big kaiju guy. Like I I wouldn't be able to offer anything for that. Uh, you could you could you could watch a few. I can. I mean, I'll watch a few. I mean, yeah. I I can. Uh, I'll watch the ones that we can do a five. How are you not a kaiju guy? I don't know. I never got into it. Like my cousin, uh, one of my cousins, not 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 cousin Dan, but uh, another one. Uh, I don't want to not not your cousin Dan. Not 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 my cousin. Yeah, yeah okay. like a completely different person's name. Um, I don't want to mention him <laughs> because he doesn't want to be mentioned. <laughs> He's we'll already told him, me. We'll call him Henry Kissinger. <laughs> your cousin Henry Kissinger. <laughs> but yeah, like so, dude. Uh, is a big kaiju fan and he loves that shit and he's got like tapes and tapes of that shit and he would watch it religiously ah uh, dude if there was a kaiju musical it would be on my list there probably is a kaiju musical and if there is a kaiju musical please internet let us know yes. if there's a kaiju musical we could we could do a kaiju kung fu uh musical and we're reaching we're you reaching think it's too much i mean that's ambitious 
You think, oh, you think it's ambitious. Well, think about you know, it. Part ambitious of, is good, but, you know, fly too close to the sun, your wings get <laughs> And if you're Mothra, you're in trouble. Yeah, see? <laughs> so, all right. Before we get too it's far not, off. <laughs> we're, we're, we're flowing right into the roll. <laughs> skipping the topic altogether. Yeah. All right. Right. Yeah, so, like, like uh I don't know how many minutes we're in, like 20 maybe. And we're, we haven't said a goddamn thing about the movies. All right. So, um, so what hopefully, you- hopefully people who listen are used to it by now though. Like I this would- is the, this is the part that they prefer. And then we get into the topic and they're just like, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it gets boring. <laughs> but, so musicals so i listened to your your episode with emily i i can only assume that there's going to be another episode with emily's top five so i think only to be fair i don't know where i'll put this one because emily's is going to be tomorrow Uh uh-huh and so you're you're squeezing in i might just throw you in depending on what we talk Oh, you know? oh, oh, so this is this is a filler episode. This no, is like this is a, this, this is, is like a clip show. This was supposed to be the bonus. <laughs> the bonus. Is, yeah, because ah, okay. I said, because in the first one, I said, oh, we're, we're doing two episodes. And and the, you threw me a curveball, so now you're the bonus. But now I'm just going to have to correct it and just be like, oh, yeah. there's three yeah, episodes. It's, it's fine. Yeah. But I, I, see, I see you wanted to get in the uh, musical action. Yeah, well, because musicals are... Musicals are important to me, and they always have been. Wow. Okay. Uh, I I have a deep, deep love of musicals. When I was a kid, my parents were were really big into the arts, you know, and they would they made a point of taking me and my brother to a lot of you know. When you live in Chicago, it's it's a it's a, a theater town, you know. Yeah. And so, like, we went to New York, you know, we saw musicals in New York, we saw musicals in Chicago, we went to the opera, we went to the symphony, all that kind of stuff. Oh, you snob you. Look at you. Yeah, Try. oh, I'm to- totally elitist. Now, now, now you're breaking out the fucking credentials, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've, no, been watching, it, I've been in the theater my whole life. <laughs> but, but no, in high school, and this is, this is something that I never, I never chased, right? Because uh, I, I always, even when I was a kid, I was like, it's never going to happen. It's just too, the, the mountain's too tall to climb, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be uh, in musical theater. That's what I wanted. Wow, really? Yeah. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. I to- that's what I wanted. And by the time I got done with high school, like it was just, um, I just had this, like, it's never going to happen. There's, there's no, uh-huh. nothing, no amount of work is going to get me there. Yeah, and I, and I got that in my head, and so I just kind of gave it up. But oh wow! Um, but I mean, like, how do you think I ended up? It was like writing. I mean, I've been writing since I was, you know, eight years old, right? Uh-huh. Um, and you know, I ended up doing the comedy, which is a different kind of performance, but it's still still performance. Huh. Uh, but it, it, it was because, you know, I got that itch cause I wanted to do musical theater. Uh, and the movies that really kicked it off for me because it's movies I would watch with my grandparents uh-huh. and with my parents, my parents are old enough that they enjoyed these movies too. Cause they were part of their childhood, but old like Bing Crosby movies, uh-huh. you know, 
because Bing Crosby, there, there was a new Bing Crosby musical out every, like every six months. Musicals were a huge thing in mm. cinema uh, until probably like the 80s. Like there, there was a big like blockbuster musical film Oh, like every year, every two years, it was a big part of cinema and it kind of fell off. It fell out of style. And I mean, we still have musicals every once in a while and we'll hit on them because two of mine are, are relatively recent. Right. Uh, but it, it's interesting that something that was such a huge proportion of the cinematic landscape has just, it's kind of forgotten. It's, you know, when, when, when you, when you, rule out the Disney movies, there's, there's a musical maybe every five or six years now. Yeah. You know? And and it's interesting that you say that because Disney's Disney movies, a lot of the animated ones are musicals. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, kind of uh, parts that kind of fell short for me with the uh, more recent Mulan movie, which I actually saw, uh, they did not treat it as a musical which I thought, damn, there they go. There they go. There's a Kung Fu musical right there. Well, because now you're, now you're taking a musical, a movie that was a musical and, and, you know, arguably is culture was originally cultural appropriation in, in the sense that, you know, yeah, it, you're, you're depicting, you know, Chinese people in Chinese situations, but none of the actors were Chinese. I don't think in the, in the, the animated version. Um, you know. No, they uh, they were Ming Wa oh. Ming Ming. I can't remember her name. Uh, Ming Wa Win and Ming Na Win. I think her name is. She's she's an actress who's been working for a long time in Hollywood. She started with the Joy Luck Club, and mm -hmm. she's done numerous numerous movies. She was the lead in Mulan um, in the and, animated. In the animated, uh, and it, that just goes to show you what I don't know about Mulan could fill the Grand Canyon, but I mean, it's also, you've got the, the, the whitest studio in the history of studios making Mulan. Yeah. There was a lot of but, issues with Mulan. Uh, but now then, yeah. then you take that and you strip the music out of it. I haven't seen the new one. I haven't mm -hmm. watched it, but you take that, you strip the music out of it. You kind of strip some of the whimsy out of it. And now it's, it's sort of like a wuxia movie. They yeah. were trying, I think they were trying real hard to appeal to the Chinese market mm -hmm. and uh, felt that maybe the best way to do that would be to treat it a little more seriously. And maybe that was a good decision. I don't know. I um, think I think it probably might have been. Because like I said, I haven't watched it. I don't know if it's good or bad. I have no idea. I, I liked it. It's not it's not Mulan, the original. Um, mm -hmm. But that's how I feel about all the animated movies that have been turned into live action well, because um, like we were talking about before, I mean, there there is magic to the way that Disney makes their animated movies. There's a there's a little bit of fairy dust that they sprinkle into it when they make it that that raises it to a different level and and creates an emotional bond with that. So, Tim, so hold on, and not to so, not not to interrupt you, but I really want to kind of know more about the fact that you wanted to be. In a musical, like <laughs> I, I'm not, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to poke fun. I'm real curious because I didn't know this about you. I mean, yeah, we've, we've, we've known oh, each other for a long time. You've never yeah. told me this. Uh, I don't really talk about it too much because it's so long. It's for me, it's so long ago now that mm -hmm. that that was like an aspiration that I almost never really think about it. And then then I'll watch you know some musicals and 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 I'll remember like that's 
that's right. That's what I wanted. Like I would, I would be in my room, you know, at home singing along to like the Les Miserables soundtrack. You know? Get out of here. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And can you, can you sing? Uh, it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Same here. If uh, I, I, I can, my I daughter can sing thinks certain I can sing. songs. I can sing certain songs pretty well. Yeah. Um, but not consistently. And it's cause you know, I, I never really pursued much voice training. Yeah. I suppose I could, you know, there's, there's no reason not to, but, um, you know, I, I abandoned that ambition before I really even got started, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was mainly, you know, I, I spent a lot of time watching, watching musicals and, you know, I, I went to a Catholic high school and I was in Jesus Christ Superstar. It wasn't Jesus, but I was in the musical, you huh. know. Um, and uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I can't remember when I've turned that switch off. I don't actually remember. Usually it's like when you have something that feels so near and dear to you and you decide you're done with it. Uh-huh. Usually that kind of burns something in your memory, but I don't remember what that was. Yeah, I was gonna I say like what what made I, you kind of like not pursue I, like it it wasn't it wasn't a, I don't think there was a specific thing I think I was just young enough that that I was like there are other things that you know I want to go to college you know I want to I want to do this I want to do that that either clouded it or just made it made it seem fantastical mm. you know right. Which is odd that doing stand-up didn't seem fantastical, but the thing, there, there's a big difference with doing stand-up and being an actor, being an actual actor, is that to get started in stand-up, all you have to do is find a stage. Yeah. You go, and, and in a city like Chicago, there are, you know, 12 open mics a night, mm-hmm. if not more, and and you can just go into a room, put your name on the list and get your five minutes of stage time and try it out. And if you're good at it, you start basically getting recognized and you start getting booked on showcases and you get, you get the opportunity to get on stage with acting. You have to get cast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and you have to have the opportunities to get cast. And while there is opportunity for that in Chicago, you know, um, it's still not, it's not exactly an actor's market, you know, yeah. Chicago, no matter what. And, and this is true of, 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 uh, stand up too. Chicago's not an actor's market. You know, you have to go to New York or you have to go to LA if you want to make a career out of it. I mean, you can stay here, mm-hmm. you can, and there are plenty of examples of people who stay here and have success as actors or stand-ups or um, voice actors or whatever, right? But at some point, some of them had to go away and then come, come back. They had to go away to build their resume, to build their reputation. Yeah. Um, and and that's just that's just the way it is. I mean, and that's not just Chicago, like... You, you pick any of the city, the big cities in this country, Denver, Houston, Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Miami, wherever. 
yeah, there's opportunities to be an act, to be a performer of, of whatever kind that you have there. But there is such a limited pool of like full time, be able to support yourself and work opportunities. Mm -hmm. And what's more, there's so few opportunities to get seen by the people that you need to get seen by that, you know, you could be the biggest name in Chicago. And if you want to take a step and get more exposure and bigger roles and, and whatnot, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to travel. You're going to have to go to LA and you're going to have to spend pilot season in LA, or you're going to have to spend you know, casting season in New York. Like it's just how it is. From, from my hearing and, and just cause I know a couple of people, uh, they're telling me that LA isn't the joint anymore. Not if you want to be LA, an actor. Well, and this is the problem with LA. It's the same thing for uh, stand up, right? Like LA is definitely still like, it's important. And you have to you have to make your face known to the companies and the casting directors and, and whoever in L.A. But, you know, there are two million actors in L.A. Yeah. Two million people who desperately want your job. And they're everywhere. And they're, they're everywhere. Every everybody's an actor, you know, yeah. for, for every every telemarketer everybody every barista every barista every wait, waiter or waitress they're they're all also aspiring actors yeah you know so or directors or writers or yeah and so there, there's a ton of opportunity to be had in la but there's also way more people trying to get every single opportunity you know and, and i mean that's the challenge like there are fewer opportunities in chicago but there's also far fewer people vying for those opportunities. But where are those opportunities going to take you? They're yeah. going to take you to Chicago. You know what I mean? They're not going to, they're, they're unfortunately, you're going to get to a point where they're not going to elevate you further. Yeah. It, you're you're going to, yeah, you're going to have to travel regardless of where you're at, at one point right. or another. Um, right. Whether you're or in not LA just or travel, like relocate, like straight up relocate, you know? Yeah. And like, I can tell you from a number of people that I know, in comedy that the the goal the goal is always make it big right that's what you want mm -hmm. and you have a better chance at that in LA or New York than than here at the same time it's again there's a lot more people who are trying to get their shot too you know yeah. uh and so moving to LA or New York you do it for a couple of years. And if things pan out, great. If they don't, fine. You know, you move back home. But those couple of years that you spend in LA or the couple of years that you spend in New York, what they are going to get you, even if they don't get you like your big break, you are going to have the opportunity to be seen by people and get in their Rolodex. You know, it's going to expand your network. So even if you do move back to Chicago, you're still going to have opportunities that you wouldn't have had had you just sat out here and, and stubbornly said, I'm from Chicago and this is my hometown and this is where I want to be. And if I can't make it here, then it's just not going to happen. Well, yeah. then guess what? It's not going to happen. Yeah. You know? Well, did I ever tell you I, I auditioned for um, for a stunt 
for stunts. Oh yeah. Yeah. They had, there was a movie here. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and they were looking for, for, uh, certain types of, you know, people, they needed people, they needed all kinds of heights and weights and sizes and stuff, but yeah. I, they just needed, I think they just needed stunt extras. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I, you know, non-union people that they didn't have to worry too much about safety. Yeah. You know, if they died, oh, well, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I went in addition and um, I, I like at one point there was this guy, I don't know who he was. Um, and, you know, I thought it was fun to go check it out. Right. Yeah. But I, I gave him my resume of shit that I, that I know how to do and stuff like, you know, mm -hmm. I did this, I did that. I know this, I know that I have this rank and that rank and this, and I know this. And he looked at it and he, he just, he was like, you're just too old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, fuck you then. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But hey, I mean, that's, that's how it works. Yeah. You know, Hollywood, you know, productions, theater. That's one of the few um, categories of employment where they can get away with that shit. Yeah. Yeah, anybody else would would get sued, right? You know. Yeah, but he was right. like, uh, he looked at my resume, and he looked at me, and he looked at my resume, and he looked at me, and he just like, I just, and he did one of these where he's just like, he made this face. He's like, I want to, but sorry, bud, ah. you're too old. Like there was. Well, why are you so old? Yeah, I, I don't. I wasn't even that old. I was like, did you do know. something about that? I tried. You know, there's creams and stuff. You know, yeah. <laughs> but no. But like, yeah, the dude, the dude, just straight out. You know, and I was like, whatever. You know, so I was like, fine with yeah. it. It didn't. It didn't. I it was you know just something to do. I, I wasn't like seriously pursuing. You know. No, you just were doing it because you thought it'd be fun. Yeah, I thought it would be fun because I had I had you know one of one one of my coworkers had was an extra in a movie. You know. Yeah. So like I showed up to be an extra, you know, yeah. and they're like, well, yeah. we need stunt people too. I'm like, fuck it. Throw me in that, throw my head mm -hmm. in that, that list too. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do that <laughs> shit. Yeah. What do you, where do you want me to fall from? You know, like, yeah, you know, I don't yeah. know how to fall, but tell me how to do it. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. Have somebody give me a mentor. Yeah. You know, to, <laughs> to, to earn my 75 bucks for the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And possibly, oh, but, you know, but anyway, since I'm we're sure. talking about stunts, but I think uh, getting back to the musicals um, and not in regards to me and, and how that's what I wanted, but like the topic of you look back on on the place that musicals used to hold in cinema. And I mean, it was it was a big deal. And it you can you can make the case. And I know people have talked about this before, uh, written about it ad nauseum. You could make the case that in a lot of ways, especially in, in like the 30s and 40s, musicals, and, and even in the 50s, musicals, like song and dance movies, kind of filled a similar niche as martial arts movies. Because mm. if you ever watch like a Fred Astaire movie or you watch, you yes. watch Singing in the Rain, you know, you watch An American in Paris any of them actually like even even white christmas right you watch those movies and people are doing really intricate dance moves and they're they're actually doing wire work you know because they have people like flipping upside down and backwards and floating through the air and stuff and they're doing all these really intricate dance maneuvers that if you kind of 
cock your head to the side and squint a little bit is kind of martial artsy. You know, it's it's choreography, right? It, you, you have choreography exactly, and 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 it's very physical. You know, mm-hmm. you have that that art form of the body, which is what martial arts is. Yeah. And, and it's one of the reasons why I thought about making these lists because I do enjoy musicals. Uh, obviously not to the extent that you do, because I don't have the experiences that you have, but, <laughs> but that's one of the reasons why I can appreciate a musical. There's it's, it's not just anybody can do it. Yeah. You know, it, it, you, it takes a certain athletic prowess. It takes yeah. a certain talent. Uh, can you get some training to kind of pull something off? Sure. Are you going to be as good as some someone like Fred Astaire or Jackie Chan, who who are talented in both their fields? No, you're never going to yeah. be. You're never going to be like Jackie Chan. You're never going to be no. like Fred Astaire. It's gonna. You're 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 going to have to kind of earn that that knowledge, I, that, that, that ability to move. It's interesting that you bring up Jackie Chan and this could be some, one of those things that's like locked in the vault of my memory and I remember it wrong, you know, but I swear, I remember seeing an interview with Jackie Chan where he's talking about how, when he was at the, the opera school, yes, they would watch Fred Astaire movies and, and that be, because, um, he was so physical, right? Well, the Peking Opera School was a, or I don't know if it's an opera. I don't know if it was a school, but the Peking, where they came from, the the three brothers, as they call them, but, you know, Yoon Byu, uh, uh, Jackie Chan, and, and Samo Hung, uh, they all came from the Peking Opera School. Mm-hmm. They, they have, they get all that training, to practice on stage. Now film came along and kind of changed things for them. And then the opera school kind of went out of business, but then that's how they moved into, you know, martial arts movies, mm-hmm. but they, they got musical training. They got yeah. dance training. They got acting. Yep. They got everything that they need to be on a stage to perform in the, in a, in a Peking opera. <laughs> but somehow that that they gave them the skills to kind of you know be able to perform on film so that is it is and and from my understanding i I don't i really don't know what it's like but from my understanding it was it was a very hard school well when i went uh when i was 15 we went to china on a big vacation and we actually saw the opera in beijing and you know that opera the way that they do opera is so it's it's a different beast it's not what we think of as opera Hmm. and i mean it is it's it's very physical it's a lot of uh, like martial arts dancing Hmm. and i don't mean like capoeira i mean like yeah like very studied when when they have stage combat it's it's a dance Mm -hmm. and it's very artful and very interesting um but back to American musicals. <laughs> I, I do believe when when we started this call, I said this is going to be a short one because I don't know I don't know if I have that much to talk about. And look at us, yeah. Well, I mean, we haven't even started talking about the movies. So I told I'm going to do my I told, movies. I told you we have the gift the gift of gab, bro. There's no <laughs> is way. Gift? Is it really a gift? Maybe a little bit of a curse. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I. You think. 
yeah, come on. You, you and I have had lunch together. We, yeah. We, yeah. We, we don't have a problem. There's when, never a silent moment when, when we, we would, when we used to have lunches and we worked together at the same place. I mean, we would, we would probably have gotten the award for Epic lunch break. Cause I mean, there, <laughs> there were plenty of times where I think we disappeared for like two hours. So, you know. Uh, not true. Uh, if you're a listening <laughs> employer, it's not true. Ah, you know what? Your <laughs> your employer doesn't doesn't have the memory to remember those days. Oh, dude, it, it, nobody's listening. This motherfucker. I mean, yeah. I, I I I threw it on on Facebook, thinking, "Oh shit, here comes the floodgates." Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready. Not a not a fucking peep. Not a fucking well, not a fucking peep. Not yeah. a single person even commented on it. I'm well, like, and it just goes to show you gotta you you gotta step up your SEO game. Yeah, I got, mm-hmm. I got, I get, I, I guess I gotta get, I gotta work a little harder. But so anyway, anyway, eh, that was nice, synchronized. Um, <laughs> so going back, so specifically, I'm gonna go through my movies in chronological order because ranking them is it's just too hard of an exercise for me. <laughs> but so I'm going back specifically to Bing Crosby because Bing Crosby would partner up with other people. You know, Bing Crosby did a, did some movies with Fred Astaire, you know, song and dance movies. Bing Crosby did a few movies with Bob Hope. He did the road movies with Bob Hope. Uh, he did, you know, White Christmas with Danny Kaye. And White Christmas is not on the list, but I got to give it uh, uh, an honorable mention here because it's, it is cheesy and it is very sort of Capra-esque. It's not a Capra movie, but, you know, it's an Irving Berlin movie and it's got all the cheese that goes along with that. But the chemistry between Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye in that movie is amazing. Danny Kaye is another one of my favorites from from the the sort of like the golden days of musical cinema. I love Danny Kaye. He's very, very physical and his face is very physical uh, and he's very funny. Um but so, they they have the two of them have a chemistry in that movie that's really just outstanding. And you're talking about going my way, 1945. I will be. I haven't gotten there yet. Way to blow it. Uh, well, I thought you were already. But, I didn't know you were warming up. I'm, I'm warming sorry. up. Go back. But, but I, I was given my honorable <laughs> mention to okay. White Christmas, which everybody should watch. I mean, it's it's the quintessential. It's probably in my mind the movie that most people think of when you bring up musicals. You know. Uh, or at most suburban white people, I'll put it that way. Think of when you bring up musicals. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's 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 a fun movie. And it, it goes to show, like, at that point, like, Bing Crosby was already getting old and he's fantastic. But he also did a number of movies, musicals, where he plays a priest. And, like, the... the um, the theme of the movie, so there's Going My Way, there's The Bells of St. Mary's, and there's, uh, I think, a couple more. And it's always like he's he's some priest that the archdiocese sends into some down-on-its-luck parish to, to turn things around. Oh. And then a bunch of mystical shit happens, right? Oh, so uh, a little bit like Sister Act? Well, kind of, except that Sister Act is... Whoopi Goldberg goes and destroys a convent, you know. She doesn't Well, she brings them together. She 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 brings the convent together by destroying them. No, she builds <laughs> she builds it up. She builds it up. She she she, she brings, breaks them first. 
breaks. No, she breaks them. She breaks. She goes in there. She breaks feet and limbs. And <laughs> but the, I mean, the difference is like Whoopi Goldberg's not a nun, right? Like in these movies, oh, Bing, Bing Crosby is a priest, and he's been sent on a on a mission to to help this this flailing parish, and that's going my way, and going my way is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's from 1944. So this was actually made during World War II. Um, and it comes from a time where like priests were like it, it, a big part of American culture. You know, people looked up to their parish priests and, and uh, you know, being Catholic was, was a big deal. And, <laughs> and people put a lot of faith in their, in their priests, in their parish, and their and and their church, you know. Yeah, back when religion was considered something important, and priests were were of people of high stature, or right, or yeah. considered noble, noble yeah. beings. Yeah, right. Um, and so, I mean, it does actually hit. This movie does actually hit a lot of the same notes uh, that Sister Act does, where you know the church, the and and the movie has a lot of people a lot of famous people that i think you'd recognize if you're familiar with shows like i love lucy or or whatnot um mm -hmm. like there there are there are like famous b-list character actor movie character actors in this movie like everybody it feels like almost everybody in this movie is famous when you watch it it's like oh my god i can't believe they're in this movie too if you know old movies right yeah um and so uh, it, but it hits a lot of the same notes as sister act in that father. So um, Bing Crosby plays father Chuck O'Malley. Okay. And he's, he's a young priest who has different ideas of, of how to interact with the parishioners and how to say mass and all of that. And, uh, he's, let's say for the time, pretty liberal, pretty mm -hmm. modern. And it has Barry Fitzgerald, who plays Father Fitzgibbon, who's the old pastor of the church. And he's very old school, very old, but excuse me, very old fashioned. And Barry Fitzgerald is one of those character actors that I think if you saw him, you'd know him. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he was he was in everything and he always kind of played either the the crotchety old man or the kind of comic relief old man you know he was in the quiet man which is a huge john wayne movie um he he was in like everything up until the day he died he was just in every movie and again this is this is back in the days of the studio system where people where actors would get contracts and it was just you know you, you're not so much cast as here, we got a movie for you, you know? Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> and it, like the chemistry between the two of them on screen is, is really great. Barry Fitzgerald has one of those faces where he doesn't even have to deliver dialogue. He can just make an expression and that's all he needs to do. Yeah. He definitely looks like the crotchety old dude. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I know he, if you're not into old movies, that's fine. That's great. I, I highly recommend if you like musicals and you can just kind of get into the spirit of an old fashioned movie, 
I highly recommend watching this movie because it, it there the way that it's written and I mean yeah it's written with a lot of schmaltz and cheese like every like every movie you know in you know the 1940s and 50s they're, yeah. they're like they're they're written from a perspective of people who somehow don't live in society right they're they're written from a perspective of you know like these nobody acts like this you know <laughs> um and actually uh i'm gonna touch on this later when we get to another movie but you guys were talking well i'll save it for when we get to that movie but like the thing something to remember especially when you're watching old movies is that regardless of how things are being depicted and like how things were culturally acceptable in movies and in media and in music of the time people always fucked okay People always, <laughs> well, people always swear that like, there's always been swearing. People have, uh, have always been vulgar. Yeah. You know? it, it, and so like, when you look at movies, especially movies that are maybe period pieces or, you know, ma made in a time, but depicting an earlier time. And, and, and like, there's dialogue where, where it's like, Oh, I don't, that doesn't seem to fit the time period. Well, no, it fits the fucking time period. It's just that the way they made movies in that time period make you think about it differently because they softened the dialogue and, you know, they made everything prim and proper. I can tell you from talking to my grandparents and my parents, Hollywood cinema in the 40s and 50s was such a soft interpretation of America that they're not a very good mirror of how people actually talked and behaved okay they're well, just not you also you also got to think about like these people are trying to sell tickets right yeah so the the raunchier gets the less the less of an audience they get to have right so right yeah they at, at least at that point in time now we're in a point in time where the raunchier it is the more people the more eyeballs you're gonna get well i mean i, I like i said in earlier podcasts i took my kids to fucking <laughs> You know, yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, so, so uh, times have changed, right? And, and or maybe my parenting isn't uh, up to par, but whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> but so there, there are the, the whole movie is based on you know this new young priest comes to try to help turn the the parish around, and he they butt heads. Him and the the older priest kind of butt heads because he's so rigid and uh, and conservative. Let's say. Mm -hmm. um, and you have all of these, you know, you have your A story, which is the the conflict between old and new. And you have your B story, which is um, you've got Ted Haynes Jr. and Ted Haynes Sr. who kind of own the mortgage on the church, you know? Oh, wow. And, uh, and the church is kind of about to go into foreclosure and that's why you know this guy was get was sent to go there and um you know ted haynes jr has a sort of affair and and it's it's one of those things it's a movie made in the 1940s right and so it's net there's nothing explicitly said but i mean he's he he's banging carol james okay wow they're, they're banging and ted haynes senior doesn't approve and then Ted Haynes Jr. Uh, goes off to be a pilot in World War II and, you know, all of this stuff. 
very, very kind of 40s, hits all the notes, you know, hits all the formulaic points. But then you have on top of it, like Bing Crosby is creates a, a choir of all like the neighborhood kids uh, and gets them and they sing really well. And then people start coming to mass and, you know, they turn it around, they make the money that they need. And then at the end, you know, father, father Fitzgibbon, who's a, who's an old man, you know, always talks about how all he ever, all, all he would like to do anymore is, is visit his mother in Ireland. And at the end of the movie, Bing Crosby has his mother brought to the United States to be with father Fitzgibbon. And it's just very sweet and very touching. But then, you know, on top of it, you have Bing Crosby with that velvet crooning voice, hmm. you know, uh, breaking, bringing in all these songs, you know. And again, it's kind of hard to do this because none of us were alive in 1944. But this is a movie about church, right? It's a movie about Catholic church. Hmm. And they bring in all of these really kind of... Um, for the time, like the equivalent of rock and roll, you know? Yeah. So again, hitting the same notes as Sister Act, where she she brings all of these um, like classic R&B songs for the choir to sing, you know? And Bing Crosby, Father O'Malley, brings in and, and has these kids singing these kind of, uh, what would be the equivalent of like pop tunes, you know? Uh, and, uh, and this song, actually, this movie, I, I don't know if it was written for this movie. I think it was, uh, but you know, the song, uh, would you like to swing on a star? You know, uh, would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar. Mm -hmm. I love that, that song. That's in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think it was written for this movie. Uh, I don't know for sure. And I'm, I'm not going to like take time right now to look it up. Well, there's there's a, there's a ton of like great songs on here. There's "Going My Way," there's "Sweet yep. on the Star," there's that Irish l uh, lullaby, and then they got some like things that you would think belong in a movie like this, like "Silent Night," "Holy Night," uh, "Ave yep. Maria," yep. "Il Alma Mater." You know, they they got it's uh it's uh, there's some nice songs in here. Yeah, and and then add to it so. Um, they had like legitimate opera talent. Rizé Stevens was like the the soprano for the Met in uh, in New York, and you know you got Bing Crosby. And actually, there's there's one little uh, cool little nugget is one of the kids in the choir. Kind of there, there's two there's there's like the the leader of the street kids mm -hmm. that be, that become the altar boys in the choir. Right there's the leader of the street kids and. And he's, it, it's fun to watch him because he's such a like stereotypical New York street kid, wise guy huh. with the, with the smart mouth, you know, and he's got that, that old fashioned Brooklyn accent, you know, yeah. which I don't do really very well. Otherwise I would do it right now, but you know, that, that's fun to see. Cause uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of those things that are kind of like, this is one of the things I like about watching old movies there are a lot of things that have sort of been erased from the American experience, you know, as, as we get say more modernized, as it gets easier to, for people to move about the country, you lose certain things like that. I wouldn't say that Brooklyn accent is gone, but let's be honest. When's the last time you heard it, you know, 
Um, yeah. it, it's, same thing with the Boston accent. You, you, you don't hear a lot of people, yeah. you know, speaking with that Boston accent. I, I rarely hear that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I've, I think the last time I heard it was in Cancun. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> of all places, like we're at a yeah. table and, and, uh, for whatever reason, this guy was sharing a table with us and he was, he had that, that Boston accent. I was just like, yep. wow. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I wonder what I sound like to him, you know? Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, think about it too. When's the last time that you really heard that, that Chicago accent, you know? I think, I think it's happening right now, but we don't even know because, you know, because it's us, because yeah. it's us, you know, but, but to be serious, like with me, it comes out every once in a while when I'm really animated or really angry, uh-huh. you know, I get that kind of that, that hard edged at the back of your throat, you know, almost talking a little bit through your nose. I'll have a yeah. couple of the sausages, you know, you get that Chicago accent, but to be honest, I can't remember the last time I actually heard somebody that sounded like that. Uh, it's funny because um, the last time I was in LA visiting friends. <laughs> never, so never where it's supposed to be. That's the only time you yeah. ever hear accents. Anymore. Well, no, it, it, I was the person. Cause I was oh. like, I was talking to someone and they were like, what's wrong with your A's? Where are you from? I'm like Chicago. And it's just like, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not, it's not Chicago. It's, Chicago. I'm like, no, it's Chicago. <laughs> it's Chicago. I'm, I'm from there. I'm from there. I know. Yeah. I, I know what it sounds like. It's not, yeah. it's not, yeah, no, no, it's, it's a CH. It's I'm like, no nah, lady, it's Chicago. Right. I'm saying yeah. it right. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. they, they call it shy town, not chai town. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, uh, but so, you know, there's a lot of really good singing talent in this movie and then on top, you have Bing Crosby, who I don't, I, I wouldn't hold up as like the best singer there ever was, mm-hmm. but truly he has a truly unique voice and it's this velvety, just, it, it coats you <laughs> like when you hear it. Mm. And when, when he goes into a song, it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of spellbinding, you know, because he has the, nobody else sounds like Bing Crosby, you know? Um, you know, that's how I feel about, um, Pedro Infante. He's got a voice. Pedro, Pedro Infante is a a musician, Mexican musician guy. And he's got that kind of classic sound to him. I mean, um, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I just, I, I don't, uh, that's how I relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and that just that reminds me that um when i was so there there were i I used to live in a town that was very heavily mexican Mm -hmm. um the town i I lived in before we moved here it had a very very uh highly popular high population of uh mexican and latino families but I, i bring up mexican in particular because there were like seven Mexican restaurants within walking distance of my house. Right? <laughs> and there, there was one in particular that uh, at the time my friend and I would go to and they had uh, in the jukebox, like the jukebox was just, it was all Vicente Fernandez. Like, oh, nice. The, 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 that's, that's all that was in the jukebox, I swear. Yeah. 
And then there, there was one time where we went there and we were the only people. <laughs> we were the only people in the restaurant and they had a woman who was like all dressed up, you know, in like sort of traditional dress. Yeah. And she had a microphone and she came to the table and she serenaded us while we were eating. Wow. And I was sitting there, like, it was so confusing because I didn't know, like, is this a, is this a thing? <laughs> uh, like, and, and it was so awkward because again, we were the only two people in the restaurant and I was like, are we supposed to tip her? What, what no, are we supposed no. to do? No, that's, that's, that's a real thing. If you come to my house, my mo my mother will sing to you. She will well, dress up. Set and a she date. <laughs> set a date. She will. She will sing to you, and then she's not expecting a tip. She's just going to give you guacamole afterwards. Is it good guacamole? Of course. Well, and she gets a tip. <laughs> uh, no, but no. Uh, honestly, um, I don't know, man. That sounds like a really weird thing uh, for someone to have when there's nobody in the restaurant. Oh, like, uh, and I think it was like, we were probably there a little bit early. Like we beat the dinner rush. And I think she was like live entertainment for di for the, the dinner time. Oh, but it was just uh, like, again, like we're just sitting there like, what do you, are we, and, and it, it's, it's, it's super awkward because it's one of those things like, I could tip her, but then she could be offended because that's not appropriate. No, you know? you're supposed to tip. Well, I fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> you're just saying you're going to tip my mom and you didn't tip this lady, this poor woman. <laughs> She's like singing her heart. But um, you have to understand we were confused. <laughs> we were, we were so confused. So, this has never happened before and it has never happened since. <laughs> Well, like in some restaurants and some nicer restaurants, uh, and depending on where you're at and what restaurant it is. This was not a nice restaurant. Maybe they were trying real hard, but, uh, or <laughs> trying to be one. But in some restaurants, uh, at least, you know, 20 years ago, I don't know if they still do, but, you know, 20 years ago, like, you know, like some of the bigger chains here in Chicago, like there's a Lalo's, for example. Yeah. You can go to a Lalo's and they might have a mariachi band that goes like a, just a couple guys, you know, yeah. with string, with, with stringing instruments going from table to table, uh, singing whatever song you want. And if they come to your table, you can say, Hey, you know, like, uh, sing, you know, Amorcito Corazon or something. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then they will sing that song to, to you and your lady. Right. And, uh, if you, if you know what you're doing, like you will, you will ask, you, you will know enough songs. You'll ask certain songs. You would ask for certain songs and your lady friend will be impressed, right? Because you're, yeah. you're asking. So for example, I'm more so you're cultured, you're cultured. Well, you're cultured, but then you're also kind of asking or saying something with the song. So for example, Amorcito Corazon, uh, the lyrics are, you know, my, my love, my heart, you know, um, I have the urge for a kiss, right? Uh -huh. I have a wanting for a kiss. And so that's what he's saying through the whole song is, is like, you know, basically, will you kiss me? Right. So if the woman understands the song and understands what your intentions are and you're on a date, she's going to give you a little kiss after the song. Right. Ah, uh -huh. if, if you're just too sly, she doesn't realize what you're asking. And then, you know, she's going to, or she's a bitch, you know, she's just going to like, yeah. you know, or she doesn't like you. Maybe you're an asshole. Right. <laughs> you know, she doesn't, you're not getting anything. Right. So what if, what if you happen to be too, 
20 something straight guys just going in for a taco fix. No, don't do it. No, there yeah, are we, some- we weren't given the opportunity. To not do it. <laughs> um, you, I, I, there are songs, right? There's, there's songs that you could probably ask, but it's a little weird. Like me personally, I wouldn't do it, but I mean, I'm sure you could add, there's a song you could ask for like, you know, Vicente Fernandez, Sigo sing, uh, I forgot the name of the song, but Sigo, uh, I think it's called El Rey, right? You know, um, but like, if you're, <clears throat> if you're having a fight with your lady friend, right? And you guys are not talking, but like whatever happened at the table, she pissed you off or you pissed her off. And then the mariachi guys come over. There are songs you can ask the mariachi people to wow. sing. There's a song for everything, huh? Yeah, there's a song for everything. There is a song that could tell her to go fuck herself. <laughs> not that, but yeah. I, like it's it's a. Uh, there's one song that comes to, to my head. Uh, it's called uh, La Chancla. So if if mariachis come to the table, you tell them, "Echale la chancla, throw the chancla at her, let her have the slipper." <laughs> You know, or the or the flip flop or whatever you want to call it, and they I, will and they and they will sing this song and isn't it is an insulting song? I feel like culturally speaking, Mexican culture has raised having a fight to an artful level. <laughs> oh, there are so many different ways in which you can have a fight. I th- I think it's it's so much better than sort of my traditional version of having a, a an fight, argument, <laughs> which is screaming and and you know yeah shouting. Just, just imagine. Oh, there's another song. God damn, I can't remember some of these songs. But um, oh, there's one called La Rata, <laughs> the the rat. So like, if she's pissed off at you, she can ask. Yeah, sing the rat to this sing motherfucker. The rat to this yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah, and then the rat and is that, like, and that way the whole restaurant knows. Yeah, everybody's like, who? Everybody shit. knows. Every, people are covering their face. I'm like, I'm not seeing this. And you know, no, no, probably, they're they're like making the popcorn and like turning <laughs> the watch. Yeah, you know, there's probably there probably will be people, but I don't know what it is. Like Mexicans really like uh, arguing. And they like they like pain. It's why it's why the food is so hot. <laughs> you know, like it's why it's <laughs> spicy. If if it doesn't hurt, that means it's not good for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? If uh-huh. it doesn't hurt, it doesn't taste good. You know. If if love isn't painful, <laughs> then it's not. It's not. Then love. it's it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Then yeah. Okay. All right. So. Uh, None of those songs are in Going My Way. <laughs> but now you wish they were. But now I wish they were, right. Uh, also important to note, uh, Going My Way was directed by Leo McCary, which I'm sure that, uh, you know, isn't going to mean a lot to people. But, I mean, this is a guy who directed some classic movies that, I, I would hope people know about, but like an affair to remember and the love Ooh. affair. And, you know, that was the same director as this movie. Um, and so, I mean, it, it's a movie that I'm, I'm going to guarantee uh, nobody who, who will listen to this podcast, the six people or seven people who listen, I don't know. 
Uh, they're probably not going to have heard of it, but I mean, it's, it's such a great throwback to a different era of filmmaking. And it's, it's kind of, it's one of the movies that made me love musicals. So that's why it's on the list. And I think it's time to roll to the next movie, unless there's anything you'd like to add. Definitely, I got to watch. Uh, as I, I think I mentioned to you before the podcast started, I don't know if I mentioned it in the podcast. I didn't get to watch some of the movies on this list, but uh, I, I will definitely watch this one since you kind of talked yeah. so highly about it. Um, what is what is the next one you want to go with? Well, going and one one more thing just to add. Bing Crosby has a special place in my heart. I think that's probably obvious from the way that I've talked about it. And it's not just because of the way he sings. He, he ad-libbed a lot of his lines. Oh, I and love he that. Had, and he had a way of speaking. He had kind of uh, these, these mannerisms and he would just come up with words. And like, like, like in, uh, in white Christmas, he calls Danny Kay a weirds mobile, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just it's stuff like that like there's there's just a i i get such a kick out of the way he speaks and the words that he comes up with you uh-huh. know uh i find bing crosby entertaining just for that and then you add on top of it that he's got that damned hypnotic voice so uh, but, I didn't know that about Bing Crosby. I'm going to have yeah. to like, you're going to have to go back and watch some Bing Crosby movies because it's in every one of the movies that he does. He just has, spits out these weird, <laughs> like weird, like Hepcat type uh, <laughs> words, you know, uh-huh. that is, it's just entertaining. Okay. So which, which one's your so, next one? Next movie. And we're going in chronological order. And, you know, I, I narrowed it down kind of by era to a certain point. Uh, we're skipping ahead a lot of years here. Um, going, moving on to Greece, 1970. Greece. I like Greece. Yeah. I, well, I have a special relationship with Greece. Ooh. Um, Should I leave you alone for a minute? <laughs> no, not that kind of relationship. So there was a point in my life where I knew this movie line for line. And there's a reason for that. When when I was a little kid and we would have kind of family get togethers for, for holidays or birthdays or whatnot, we had a VCR. I don't know if my cousins had a VCR or not or what was going on there. Um, oh. Every time they came over, we had to watch Grease because we had a VCR and we had the movie Grease. Hello? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you just fine. I just uh, Your video's frozen. Yeah, my video's frozen. I, I don't know what's going on. They might be using the microwave again. Yeah, you never know. Making yeah. some popcorn. Oh, the little bastard is popcorn. Well, note, note the time down so you can know where to cut. <laughs> it's uh, 119. Are you still there? So, yeah, I'm still here. You have yeah, trouble? Uh, I'm, I, I might cut out, but just keep going. Okay. So every time that my cousins would come over, we had to watch this movie. And I mean, they would, I was not allowed to not watch it with them. I like, I would be forced to sit there and watch this movie. And, you know, they would call me Danny Zuko and and all 
that stuff. And so like there, there was a point in time where I knew this movie better. Um, and it's a weird movie, especially for a kid. It's a weird, weird movie because it, it kind of goes back and forth and as, as kind of a musical should, because by its nature, a musical should be a little bit fantastic and mystical, right? Yeah, I, I, I love this movie. This movie is one of my, it was one of my, it was on my list. Mm-hmm. And uh, here, here's something I forgot to mention on the last one, on, on my podcast when I was talking about this movie. So uh, first off, Greece was made. Um, hello. Yeah, I'm here. I'm okay. just waiting. <laughs> okay. So like, um, so I'm 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 like, Greece was made in uh, 1978, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the problems we had with when we were talking about Greece is, um, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. My fucking computer is going wacky. Anyway, one of the yeah, things- I'm going to turn my video off. Maybe that'll help. No, it's, it's not- Cut some of the bandwidth. It's, it's, I don't know what's, what's happening, but anyway. Um, so one of the things that, that uh, we talked about in the other movie, <sighs> fuck, I lost my train of thought because of all this stupid shit. Um, oh, but here, here's, here's something funny about Greece that I did not mention in the other podcast. There is this nonsense about Greece being a kind of post-life dream that they were alive, that Danny Zuko and, and Sandy were alive um, in the beginning of the movie when they're on the beach, but then afterwards they died somehow because in the end of the movie, Danny Zuko and uh, Sandy fly off in the car into the clouds. Yeah, right. Okay, so I've looked this up. It's BS. The director and the writer and everybody has said no. The <laughs> the things that happened in the movie actually happened. But someone had kind of interwoven some new story that we don't see that Danny Zuko is actually on the deathbed as all this is playing out. And him flying off in the car is he's dead. I mean, I, I could see that interpretation of it, but that's not, I, I don't think that's what it is. And clearly, you know, it, like no, you said, the, it, the filmmakers it, say it's not. No, I, I felt that I needed to say it in case someone kind of comes up with this nonsense. Yeah. But, but, uh, but no, it, this movie happened. Everything in this, in this crazy ass movie happened. Um, speaking of which, like, as we mentioned in the other podcast, everybody except for maybe John Travolta is 30. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, but I mean, that's, that's a Hollywood staple. I mean, look at the, the kids from 90210, like what Luke Perry was like 32 when that show was made, you know, that's just how it goes. Andrea was like 30 something. Yeah. Right. You know, like you're, you're always, they're always casting full on adults who can maybe pull off being young. I know nobody in John Travolta looks like a Hollywood student or a high school student in this movie. Yeah, uh, Olivia Newton-John pulls off looking like a teenager. I don't know about that. In, in some of the scenes, not all of them. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not the last scene where she's all wearing the spandex and stuff. Um, but nobody in this movie is, and, and I, it's to the point where I almost think that that was like on purpose. That was to add to the comedy of it, yeah. maybe. 
but um, one of my favorite things about this movie is number one, like I said, it kind of maintains the whimsical nature of, of a, 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 that a, that a musical really should have where you have these, these wonky dream sequences, you know, yeah. like they start, they start singing a song and they're basically living inside their imagination. You know, that's, that's what I love about musicals, especially this one, because it does that a lot. Like it's, yeah. it, it, and it doesn't just do it a little bit. Right. It, it full on takes on a whole, like it just transforms the scene. Right. Everybody's dancing. Everybody's singing. Everybody's tossing shit in the air and fucking doing all kinds of shit. Yep. I mean, uh, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, I love, I, that's the part that I love about and, a musical, especially like, like Greece. You know, one of the things about this movie is like, it's a, as much as it's a tribute to like fifties culture, yeah, uh, fifties. You know, it's it's basically like, ah, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, the George Lucas movie, um, where not Star Wars, but it's um, why why is my brain not working? Where Indiana Jones? About, like, no, it's 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 all about um, basically teenagers in the nineteen fifties, and they have hot rod races and American uh, graffiti. American graffiti. You know, like it's it's a tribute to the fifties in the same way that it's a send up of the fifties. Hmm. Um, so like it, the, the whole movie is about, you know, fifties culture greasers and um, like the pink ladies and hot rods and, and uh, the kid, the guy who runs around wearing 3d glasses all the time. And yeah, you know, like it's, it's a send up of, of all that while at the same time being a tribute to it. But I think one of the points of the movie to the point that I made earlier about, look, regardless of what you've seen in watching watching old movies from the 40s and 50s or even back to the 30s, people always fucked and swore and talked about sex and and all of that stuff. And it's that's kind of obviously like like sex and relationships are the the overwhelming theme of this movie, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the points it's trying to make is, is as it's sending up all of these kind of classic 50s culture tropes, it's kind of making the point of, yeah, you, you can watch Leave It to Beaver all you want. Kids were talking about sex and kids were fucking and, and that's what high school is all about. And it's still what high school is all about. And it's what high school is all about back then. And so, you know, let's say, um, you know, maybe some of the dialogue or the way that, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I had to cough. So I muted myself. Oh, okay. Um, but let's say, let's say it, it may not seem to be like the way that you would expect people to talk to each other, or interact in the fifties. Well, that's just because your brain has been poisoned by, by movies that were made in the fifties that did not reflect reality. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of agree a little bit with, um, with uh, Emily, because that's that's what Emily's point was, and I agree with her a little bit. Like, uh, how how if this movie was made in the seventies, how are they going to really know what it's like to be in the fifties, right? I mean, well, I'll tell you how they knew because the people who made it were all alive in the fifties, <laughs> and also one of my other very favorite things about this movie, the cast is stacked with icons of from the fifty from the culture of the fifties. Oh. The school principal, Principal McGee, yes. is played by Eve Arden. 
Yes. Eve Arden was a prominent actress going back to radio days. She she was the lead in it was it's actually a very fitting role for her. She played a school teacher in the radio series Our Miss Brooks. Oh, um, and for, she was for talking years. She was and talking she, on the on the on the speaker all the time, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, and uh, so she 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 was uh, the lead in Our Miss Brooks on the rate in the radio show. They then turned that into a TV series, which she was still the lead. They made a movie out of it. And so she's the principal in this movie. And you had Frankie Avalon, who was like a, a, a teeny bop superstar in the 50s. Who plays the teen angel, you know, yeah. and sings sings that <laughs> beauty school dropout. I love know? that song. That I song love- is fantastic because yeah. it's just like she. The whole point of the song is she is at rock bottom. Yeah, and she is. She has now hit rock bottom twice because you know she dropped out of school and now she's dropping. <laughs> she's dropping out of beauty school. Yeah. And, and the whole song, the whole song is you suck at everything. <laughs> like, like the lyrics of the song may as well, may as well be you're a sweetheart, but you really suck. Yeah, well, dude, you know, like that's what I give up now and stop having dreams. Well, that's, that's what I said in the last one is just like, this was a real downer, downer because dude is like kicking her while she's, while she's down. Like, yeah, so it's like, you might as well go back to high school because you suck at everything, you know, yeah, you, exactly. You get a diploma at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I get a kick out of it, and like the 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 uh, set and the the choreography of it, it's just it's it's really pretty and whimsical, you know. It's yeah, like it's, the whole movie is like that. The whole movie is whimsical. Oh, it's over the top. Like that scene is over the top. Well, there's the garage scene too with the 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 uh, grease lightning, right? Yeah, they start in a I guess in a classroom garage. And then it becomes like something else. Like it, midway well, it, through the song, right. it, it transforms and it becomes like this heavenly garage. Yep. Right. And, and they have like angel wings, right? Don't, don't they have angel wings? I don't remember anymore. At some point, I think somebody has angel wings. In yeah. There. Well, I think I think that's in the teen angel part, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, or beauty, beauty school dropout. But uh, I mean, I love every fucking song in this movie. Yeah. I, I mean, it, the, the songs are fantastic. Yeah. I and, mean, Sandra D. Like, look yeah. at me, I'm Sandra D. Like, that is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Glowing with virginity. Like, fucking. Yeah. Like, they're making fun of her, you know, in a song. And then she comes out of the closet and she, or the bathroom and she's like, you guys making fun of me? Like, what the yeah. fuck? You know? And then yeah. she still hangs out. Like, like what the fuck? Right. Yeah. She, she can, still stays. Well, because what's she going to do? You know? She, she can fucking leave. <laughs> you didn't do that in the 50s. It was inappropriate. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but like the cast going, like, it's it's deep with, with 50s icons. So, like, you have Eve Arden. You have Ed Burns, who plays Vince Fontaine, like the host of the, the TV dance contest, you know? Yeah. And uh, Ed Burns was one of the lead actors in 77 sunset strip and there's he he was he was in all of these super popular uh 50s tv shows you have sid caesar as the coach sid caesar is one of the funniest men who ever lived and he had a, a variety well like a sketch comedy show in the 50s called your show of shows maybe the funniest tv show i've ever seen in my life <laughs> uh it was sid caesar and um uh Imogene Coca, who is one of the funniest women who's ever worked. Um, 
And well, uh, he was he was great as a gym coach because he was like, "Here, try this. Here, try this. This is not for you either." Yeah, Here, you know, like finally right, yeah. he, he found a sport the kid could do, and it was running. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, but so, like, just as a side note, if you can go, I'm sure you could find episodes of it on YouTube at this point. Find it's called Your Show of Shows. It's Carl Reiner. Sid Caesar, Imogene Coca, a bunch of other incredibly funny people. And it's the kind of stuff where the circumstances might be dated, but the humor is not. And, and so Sid Caesar is somebody that everybody should know. And it's kind of a sin that more people don't know him anymore. Super funny. And, you know, yet, yet another person in the cast of this movie that just, you know, they came from the fifties and they came from like, they came from, their peak in the fifties. And now they're playing all these parts in the, in this movie, that's a send up and tribute to the fifties. So you, you, you want the answer to the question of, this is a movie that's made in 1978. What do they know about what people were actually thinking and talking like, well, half the cast were, were the superstars of the 1950s. Look at you. You're like, you're like angry that we, well, no, no, but, but it's, because it doesn't anger me. It just kind of, it's like, why would you question that? Like, because you're, you're questioning that from the perspective of people who came to came of age and became adults in the 1990s and the early two thousands, you know, what the fuck is your frame of reference to say that's not how people talked in the fifties, you know? Jesus, Jesus. And, and, so angry. And, well, yeah, I don't know why I'm getting so angry. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you, you're getting really riled up. But well, I mean, but it, I, I think it's because this is a question that I've asked many times in my life, and the answer has always been from from like I said, from my grandparents and my parents. And like, what do you know? It like the answer. The answer has always been, you know, whatever you saw on TV and whatever you saw in movies from the 1950s is so thoroughly cleansed and whitewashed no people didn't talk like that people swore people people behaved pretty much exactly the way people do now and i mean that like like the way they swear and the swears and the the vernacular may have changed but like people have always been and always will be profane so like um well, I think one of the points about this movie too is it was made in the 19 it was made it was a it was the the time frame was 1959 right yeah so it's the end of the 50s and it's the end of a lot of things for these kids right like it's yep. the end of their high school days it's the end of of them being kids right it's the end of a lot of things that they get away with that are no longer going to be that way it's, it, you know, so I think that's one of the things that the movie is trying to kind of hit on. Like it's, it's an era yeah, that sure. is, it's, it's a coming of age end of an era movie. Yeah. It's yeah, it's an end of an era and it's the end of their childhood or young adulthood, whatever you want to say, their teens, it's the end of high school. And, uh, and and everything like everything ends with like a song and dance and it's happy and they have a fair at the end of the fucking movie and, and they're going <laughs> to yeah. be friends forever and yeah. all that nonsense. And that's one of the songs friends forever. Yeah. 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 So like, yeah. is it, I don't know. 
Um, and, and you don't know if that if that's going to be true. Like you may not be friends with everybody forever, you know. But like it's it's uh, it's one of the things that the movie's trying to say is it's like this 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 time is gone. Yeah, and it's yeah. over. And it's I don't know if it's saying it's time to grow up, but it's definitely saying this is not here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And uh, I mean, there there are definitely just like any movie that you look at that was made uh, a long time ago and plenty of movies that are made today. Like there are problems. <laughs> there are problems with this movie. There are problems in the way that um, that the 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 expectations that the men, the the boys have for the girls and the way that, the, you know, like that ending scene at the fair where Sandy comes out and she's basically greaser girl now, you know? Yeah. And it, and it's like, really, that's the happy ending is she changes everything about herself to, yeah. you know, uh, is, is that really the happy ending? Well, okay. You know, I guess, I guess if you're doing a send up of, of fifties movies, then yeah, that is the happy ending, you know? Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is, she was just like, uh, like I said before, uh, Kaniki, uh, tells what's her name. Um, uh, that they're they're not preg- she's not pregnant right yep it, it is just yep. like we're not pregnant and they're like and, and they have a part don't they sing a song that's they, basically like metaphorical about that you know uh, like, they, well yeah they're like they're like, they're like cheering they're like yeah you know we got away with murder yeah. or whatever whatever and, whatever you want to say and th- this may be an odd observation and you know I don't know if it's just because I saw this movie so many times. Uh, especially, you know, when I, I was little, you know, from the time I was four to like the time I was eight, I had to watch this movie eight or nine times a year, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I will say that for a long time, uh, Rizzo was like my definition of sexy. I don't know why I honed in on Rizzo so much, probably cause she had, you know, the dark hair and she had those really big eyes um <laughs> uh, but like i i was like in love with rizzo huh i don't know and I, and i at no point at no point did i think sandy was like this like oh yeah she's clearly the be all end all that's what i want no like like it was i i just i had this weird love affair with rizzo I just, I found her so attractive. And this is again, you know, before I had any idea of what sex was, you know? I found Sandy very attractive. Um, she was the girl that I would think about, right? In the movie, I would be like, oh, that's that's a love interest. That's, that's, that's. But I don't know if it was because of anything other than just the movie telling me that I should be interested in her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think I had I don't think I paid attention enough to do that to to when I was a little kid because I watched it when I was a little kid, too. Um, yeah, I don't know if I had that same kind of uh, connection to the movie in terms of the 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 women on it being attractive as a young boy. Um, but I mean, that's what this movie kind of did a little bit. Right. Like it kind of opened your eyes to, you know, sexuality, because I mean, there was a lot of like, you know, they're, they're, that's all they talked about, right? It's yeah. like, and it's you know, the whole movie, the whole every, movie, everything is sex in this well, movie. The movie, Even the car race is about sex. Well, the beginning, the beginning of the movie 
starts with with the you know the the n- insinuation that something happened between Sandy and Travolta, you know, or yeah, uh, right, Danny yeah. Zuko and and that's Richard. where the tension comes from. Is yeah. That, that Danny Zuko just goes ahead and, and fuels those rumors once they start getting out. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, it, it, yeah. And that's the other thing too, right? He, he kind of, you know, uh, gives the girl a bad rap, which is not, not nice either. Right. But it, it's just, um, it, the whole movie's fueled by that. And it's just, uh, you know, like, it's it's funny, you know. It's played for laughs, it, and it's, and it's, in some ways it kind of holds up a little bit, you know. But one of the things that makes that cracks me up is the fucking high school dance, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where one of the idiots like is on the floor and is like doing the hand jive uh, thing. For, there for years, that's what I thought dancing was. I didn't know. Yeah, you, exactly, exactly. Like I didn't realize that he was doing he was insinuating something else that he was gesturing something else i just thought he was dancing you know because i could have sworn i've been at, at, as a little kid i was at like a hall or something and i did that <laughs> i did yeah. that move thinking i was yeah. dancing yeah oh uh, more than once i mean this, this move <laughs> is responsible for more uh preteen humiliation in my life <laughs> more embarrassing moments for our parents just embarrassing yes humiliation in pure humiliation because that's what I thought dancing was. <laughs> you know? Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Greece. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. there's, there's a lot of fucking embarrassing moments <laughs> because of you. Yeah. Right. Uh, so. so um What's what's next on your list? So next, I'm moving on to movie three years later, Annie. Annie. Uh, so that's that's the uh, original Annie. That is the original Annie. Not the uh, sad to say, I I did not see. I I have not seen the 2012 Jamie Fox Annie. Uh, haven't seen it, mainly because this movie is is kind of it it, it holds a little special place in my heart. Be, and so, like, I didn't want to blow that, you know? You know, uh, one of the things that we do when we go on these lists, for, for people listening, is I make my list, and then I have the other person make their list, and then we swap, right? Yeah. I don't want to know what's on their list, because then it influences my list. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> shit. Well, wait a minute. And, and... This movie is one of those things that would have changed my list. I was like, fuck, why didn't I think of fucking Annie? You know, there are, there, there are, there are three movies that I'm going to throw in here on the, on the tail end of this that are honorable mentions that I did, that I wish I would have thought of. And I only thought of after the podcast with Emily. And so um, I will mention them after this, but, but, but Annie is one of those fucking movies I should have had on my list. Uh, And, 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 basically because it fits all the criteria for the things that I had created that I used to create my, my original list. It's, it's classic. It's something I watched growing up. It's something I remember fondly and it, it has all, it has memorable music that I still kind of love and sing today, you know, like to my kids and just in general, but yeah, I love Annie. I, I love that movie. Uh, it's, it's, it's just great. 
it's it's a great movie and Carol Burnett is in it. She's she plays a role that I I think um I, I don't know I I don't remember watching too much Carol Burnett. I remember her on her shows and stuff, but she plays a role that's interesting, yeah. you know? Yeah, uh desperate and broken and uh, there's there, that's one of the things that I actually love about this movie is that number one, Carol Burnett is one of the funniest comedians who's ever worked. Yes. And she, she should be celebrated and she is appropriately celebrated, but uh, she, she is just a funny fucking person, but also this movie kind of shows she's a good actress. And, you know, Miss Hannigan is, is so desperate and broken and not immoral, but amoral, you mm-hmm. know, but not and completely, like not, not completely, because she she has a turn for the good at the end. Yeah, uh, but but the performance is outstanding, and the character is is written in such such a kind of warped way, and um, I just I, I love it for that. I I love Carol Burnett in this movie. I love Albert Finney in this movie, and because it's it's such a a strange turn for him. You know, he like he plays Albert Finney has a uh, a resume of playing like these stern, stern men, you know, and he plays this daddy Warbucks is the most stern man of all men in this movie. But I didn't know it was Albert Finney until probably 10 or 12 years ago, because he looks so different with the shaved head. And, you know, I don't think of Albert Finney as a musical theater performer but i mean he's doing his singing and he's got a hell of a voice you know yeah and uh and then it's got tim curry tim and tim curry. curry you got you, you can't help but love tim curry because he's he, he's got this negative charisma like he's <laughs> he's so good at just naturally making you hate him yeah, but he's very cartoonish. And, and he's so young in this movie. Yeah. Ah. And, yeah. and then, you know, you have Bernadette Peters, whose entire catalog is musical, right? That's Bernadette. Um, that, that was Bernadette Peters. Thing. She, she, she's a musical actress, comes from musical theater, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. And, and she has a hell of a voice. Um. She's very pretty too. Yeah. Yeah. She's very talented. Um, but uh, it's a, this is one of those movies where the cast just comes together with a, a it, I mean, they, they made a musical out of a comic strip. You oh, know? Is, is that where it originated? From? Little, Little Orphan Annie was a comic strip. I had no idea. And, and I mean, it was, I think at one point, the most widely syndicated comic strip. Huh. Um, and I mean, it was basically like Little Orphan Annie solves crimes, you know. Oh, is that um, what it was? Little Orphan Annie solves crimes with the assistance of Daddy Warbucks and his unlimited supply of money. Oh. Um, it, so Little Orphan Annie was kind of like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow! Why didn't they make that movie? That would have been all, <laughs> that would have been quite something. That yeah. would have been something else. And I mean. Again, just like any movie, like this movie has problems. Okay, like what, what, I Pun, don't, Punjab I, is a problem. 
I don't Pun- remember Punjab. Punjab is Daddy Warbucks's manservant, and hmm. he's a he, he's a Jeffrey he, Holder. Yeah, and he's an Indian uh, manservant, and he wears a turban, which is not strictly appropriate. Um, and he's Jeffrey Holder is not Indian, <laughs> and uh, but you know taking away from that like like trying to remember this is based on a comic strip so of course it's going to be a little bit wonky and it was made in 1982 so you know cultural sensitivity you you have to set your expectations at the right point for the time period <laughs> you know but like but i mean there's just so much cool shit in this movie like he's got that that weird helicopter and he's got a car phone which, you know, I don't really, I, I would, I, I believe the setting for this movie is like the 1930s, you know? Yeah, wait a minute. He has a car phone? Yeah, he has a car phone. Fuck, dude. I don't remember that. And, uh, but that, there's, there's legitimate, like, high stakes production here. Like, they did big uh stunt sequences and they climbed this this elevated bridge and you know yeah. it, it, this was a a big budget it kind of brought that action movie flavor to a musical which is maybe a new concept you know that is that is very true uh i remember that actually like you scene. had car chases and you had um you had little orphan annie is climbing this raised bridge to get away from from rooster and uh and it was very scary it was it like like it felt real and 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 that's when miss hannigan kind of has her turn for the good because she's afraid that that you know rooster is going to kill annie you know um it's it's a really it's just a cool mu- movie and it, you know directed by john houston whose entire catalog is basically action movies you know um huh. it's just a just a well-made film with really good and i mean think think about the songs from this movie that everybody is going to know forever that you know it's a hard knock life yep. for us you know uh what that was a uh uh jay-z sampled that right uh i can't remember who sampled it but yeah it's been it's been sampled and and it was yeah. redone in the movie it's it's fantastic and uh and you know the sun will come out tomorrow yeah like there was uh, in college and, and bearing in mind, like my friends and roommates at the time were not like musical theater people. That's not who I was. And that's not who they were. And, you know, this is a movie, this is one of those movies where if it back in the days before streaming television, if this was on TV, I was going to watch it, you know? And so I had this big, like I had a suite apartment with, uh, with three of my friends. It was a four bedroom apartment with a, like a main living area. And, uh, and this was on TV and there was a point where all four of us and like, I I don't know how to say this in a, like all four of us between 20 and 22 year old manly men, you know, (laughs) we're watching Annie and singing along and dancing. Holy shit, dancing. You know, 
like dancing <laughs> not with each other like there'd be nothing wrong with that but like i was like not thinking getting that. up and like dancing like doing twirls and <laughs> wow dude yeah wow that's amazing that's amazing that that movie did that for you i um wow that's uh <laughs> that's quite something else i can't i can't re- i don't have you got me at a loss for words um so um i have to say that well, everybody everybody who listens can thank me yeah thank you <laughs> so <laughs> annie like um the hard night life song like every yeah. time the kids start complaining about shit that's that's the song i go to i'll just be every day is a musical at my house so don't feel bad with your singing and twirling about <laughs> that shit's happening in my house every fucking day. Um, kids complain about some shit. I was like, Oh, it's a hard not life. And next thing you know, song number, we got, we got a dance number. Everybody's singing that, that nonsense song. I'm fucking, yep. fucking target. <laughs> <laughs> I want this. No, you can't have it. Why? Oh, it's a hard not life. Next thing you know, dance number, a target. It's a hard knock life. <laughs> Oh man. So um but yeah, this is it's a great movie. But um you got anything else you want to add to that or No, I think I mean I think that wraps it up for Annie. It's it it's one of those movies that has kind of the sweep sort of sweeping epic feel to it because they take they have a lot of big shots, you know, they have a lot of like crane shots and helicopter shots. Mm-hmm. And uh just kind of makes the movie feel bigger. It does, mm. especially at the end with the with the giant stump. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, so what's what's next on your list? So next on my list, we're moving up uh, rapidly, and this is this is one of my favorite musicals. It also kind of breaks almost all of my rules about musicals. What I like to see in a musical, because I like musicals to be whimsical and fantastic, you know. I like music musicals to to be sort of schmaltzy and have that um, happy ending sort of feeling to it, you know, that that mystical, uh, almost sort of magical sense to it. And this movie doesn't have any of that. <laughs> it's just it's it's a movie called Once, and oh. it was, uh, came came out in two thousand seven, directed by John Carney, uh, and starring. Glenn Hansard and uh, Marketa Erglova. And it, it is it, one of the things that, that makes this movie notable is it the song, the, the main song from this movie once won the Oscar for best song that year. And uh, they, John Stewart was hosting the Oscars and the, they actually played Marketa Erglova off the stage for time. Uh-huh. And and it was like really rude, you know. Uh, and so, like when they came back from commercials, John Stewart marched her back out to the microphone and said, "She gets to say her, she gets to give her acceptance speech." And it was so it was like a a, a notable thing that happened at the Oscars. But <clears throat> so Glenn Hansard is an Irish musician, and. Um, he 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 fronted uh, a very successful band, um, I believe, uh, called the Frames, 
and kind of a, almost like roots rock kind of band, uh, like folky rock. Um, and then, you know, it's a very successful band. Uh, and then, you know, now he, he kind of does his own thing now, but he's a, he's a musician. He's not an actor per se. He has acted in several, in several things, but primarily he's a musician. And the same thing is true of Market Air Glova. She's a, she's a musician and, you know, they were brought together for this film. They actually, I guess, uh, had, had a sort of a, a love affair after this movie. Oh, really? I did not yeah. know that. Because um, a lot of what happened in this movie was like unscripted. A lot of, a lot of what happened. Is that, is that, do I remember that correctly? I don't know per se if it's unscripted. I mean, I, I, I never looked into it that deeply. I don't know if they were working without a script and just kind of improvising. I think I, you kind of get the feeling that that may have been the case. Like they, they, that they clearly had, this is what has to happen. Uh -huh. you know, this is what this scene's about. It's possible that they were just kind of improvising. And, and then, you know, uh, basically the whole movie though is, is music. Like very little of it is dialogue. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really like about it because some of my favorite music, you don't get this a lot in musical cinema. Um, they're very, but, but like there are a lot of stage musicals where there's no dialogue. It's all singing all the time. Everything is in song, right? This movie kind of comes very close to that. There's very little just dialogue and <clears throat> when there is dialogue it's always like a few lines of dialogue that feeds into a song you know yeah uh, it, it's it's super this movie was super avant-garde in terms of like what it, it on, on how it was shot and how how like how very little money it used like it was yeah very low, minimalistic very minimalistic it's, very super low budget i think there was like i think what what you're saying is right. Like they had like just a kind of like a, like a, like an outline of a story, you know, but they had no kind of, but they, you know, no, no, no words, no, nothing. It was just like, okay, we, we we're trying to make this movie and it's, they're just trying to kind of, they were just trying to kind of uh, let it happen kind of naturally. It was, really really interesting and the music yeah. was very engaging and some of it because there was a lot of quiet moments in this movie and it was very it's a very quiet movie right for a musical of all things yeah right. um which kind of only influenced the the music itself um i remember being uh, i haven't seen it in a while um it was uh, but it i remember being very kind of entranced by it yeah um it's very interesting, although uh, kind of, kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know. It, it's uh, it's very, very different for sure. It's it's basically a mumblecore movie. A mumblecore? You don't? Yeah. You know, so mumblecore is uh, kind. Of, it's it's. I don't know if it's really a genre of a, of movies, but. It's there were a whole bunch of movies, and I think there still are movies that are coming out like this. But it's always fairly low budget, really low key, trying like very sort of naturalistic. You know, people are nobody's really performing over over the top. They're just trying to be average Joes. 
Mm. You know, um, I'm trying to think of some good examples. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen them. Uh, Mark Duplass and Jay Duplass are kind of big in terms of mumblecore movies. I don't know if you know who either of those are. No, I don't. Uh, but uh, if you ever saw, um, uh, oh God, what's a, what's a good, so like Jeff Who Lives at Home. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Uh, um, I, I don't. I don't really know if I want to start running down because, um, but uh, there, uh, what was the the movie? God, it had it was Mark Diplas and Aubrey Plaza, uh, and I don't know why I can't remember the name of the movie because I really really enjoyed it. But um, so like nights and weekends, Happy Christmas, Safety Not Guaranteed is. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that movie. I have seen Safety Not Guaranteed. I so don't that, remember it. Okay, but. so that's that's that is. I would definitely call that a mumblecore movie, and it's just like like I said, it's got. I don't know that there's anything that you can specifically call up call out about like thematic elements to the to the genre, but it's it's. It's always kind of low budget, um, uh, no no big shots, no big sequences. Not not you wouldn't expect like special effects or anything. Very conversationally driven movies, hmm. right? So like and about the about the happy loser almost. Uh, either the happy loser or the miserable loser, you know, or um, and. <laughs> You know, interesting. There, there are movies where also there's not necessarily a whole heck of a lot of growth that goes on for characters or, <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't know. I'm not making a good case for. No, I, I'm finding this very interesting. I did not know that this is a subgenre of independent film. But like like once is clearly a mumblecore movie because it's a very soft almost for, for like the first two acts of the movie like it's it's almost depressing you know yeah for the first for the first act it's not almost depressing it is depressing and it's because this guy is depressed you know glenn mm-hmm. hansard's character whose name is guy like that, that's, is guy? that's something the 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 two main characters the two leads are guy and girl they don't yeah. have names right well they're, they're again going very low-key very kind of like low budget and streamlined they didn't want to give and, anybody names and you know they they achieve something by doing that not just by not giving them names but by making it very low-key uh these these are every man every woman you know, like these, it could be anybody, anybody could identify with these characters because they're just average schmoes, you know? Mm. Right. Uh, and so the, the story is, I mean, it's, it's not a complicated story at all. No. Uh, the guy is, uh, kind of this broken hearted, sad sack. Who's, uh, like the love of his life left him to move to London and he didn't and, and it's like they they didn't break up on bad terms other than she wanted to move to london and he didn't you know huh. and so he he got left behind sort of by his own choice and she's working to try to make enough money to uh either take back to her family um uh from because she she's she's an immigrant from i think uh poland or czechoslovakia in the movie and 
for whatever reason, I, I can't remember. Um, but uh, she's she's trying to work to to make enough money to either bring her family over or move, or move back with with money, you know, mm-hmm. or, or just send money back, something like that. And, you know, they, he he works, he fixes vacuum cleaners in his dad's vacuum cleaner repair shop. And, and she's a maid, you know, uh, and they they just kind of meet. There, there's like a meet cute where he's playing. He's busking. He's playing his guitar for 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 money in the in the city, you know, uh, and um, you as they kind of get to know each other, they uh, find out that, that, you know, she's very musically talented. She's a very talented pianist and, and they're both good singers. And, um, and he decides he's going to finally cut this record that he's been wanting to cut forever. And he just kind of throws together this ramshackle group of musicians that he basically knows from busking and, and her, and they, they make this album and, that's where you know you get to that third the third act where the movie flips the script in ways that i love that you know it it doesn't do the standard musical thing where uh everybody gets together and there's a happy ending and and everyone's in love you know uh because the the movie kind of drives towards there may be like a budding romance mm. forming between these two but there can't be because she's married and he's still in love with the woman who left him behind. Oh shit. I don't remember that part. And, and you, you, you forget that. Right. And you forget that as the movie goes on, because the songs suck you in. The songs are like pure emotion. Do you you get that from, from this where the songs are just raw they're very raw the lyrics aren't particularly polished the production isn't particularly high it's just very raw and emotional music the songs are the songs kind of like reach into you and just grab you by the heart you know they they are very emotional they i do remember that i do remember it being very emotional and i um and I remember them like their songs being played at the Oscars or something that year too. Like, they, well, yeah, they made a big splash. Yeah, um, it's because they they they, the, they won the Oscar for you know best song and and um, they made millions too. They they made like I think twenty three oh, yeah, million the, or something. The, the movie made a lot of money. Uh, it it was like the breakout indie movie. You know, it it's the movie that came along that was made on virtually no budget that that everybody universally loved and went to go see. Um, and, you know, all like this, the songs play into kind of what's going on in the movie, because as this guy, this guy's finding himself again. Right. And, and she's finding herself again. She's, she's isolated. She's away from her family, you know, and, and she's kind of lost herself just in, in doing her work and coming home to her, her flat and, and that's her whole life. And then they kind of rediscover their music together. And it kind of, it, you, you get the sense that there's, uh, uh, may, there might be a little budding romance going on there. Um, but then they both kind of end up figuring out like, okay, this is, that's not what this is and it can't go there. But as the movie progresses, one of the things that, that I love about it, if you really pay attention to the music, 
it's very soft. And like I said, that first act is, is depressing, you know, and it's, and the whole movie is about these, these two people trying to um, meander their way through their depressing lives and find themselves again. And then, so, so the music is very soft. It's still very emotional and very raw, but it's very soft. And then as you get into like the second act, it gets, um, maybe a little bit happier, you know, mm-hmm. and a little bit more upbeat. And then, and then as he kind of gets more in touch with the things that are making him depressed and, and he kind of has works towards, let's say, breaking through, you know, and, and figuring shit out, putting the pieces back together and moving on with his life. He has this, uh, you know, there's a couple of songs um like when your mind's made up which is really fast and and like heavy uh and then you, there's this other song say it to me now that he gets to where it's he's like shouting it 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 starts off where he's just singing you know it's it's a kind of a slow um slow pace and it builds and it gets to the point where he's he's literally screaming into the microphone, but it's not like a rock and roll, um, like uh, Sammy Hagar screaming. It's like just this, like he's he's screaming out of his emotions, you know. You know, and and it just I love the way that the music flows with the way that the story is being told. I think I think one of the the things that's very kind of interesting about the movie is that. I kind of, I really kind of believe how much they're like falling in love with each other. Like that is believable. And I don't know what, I'm going to have to go back and watch it just because I don't, I don't know what they did to kind of make me believe it. You know, you see, it was, it's all very subtle. It's little things. You're watching people think, think about when you first get into a relationship, you know, like, it takes a while and it's little things. It's these little conversations that you have and getting to know each other and, and spending the little snippets of time that you spend together. And that's all you need to see to get that feeling that it's building. Right. Yeah. There, there is no like very specific thing that, that keys off like, Oh, these, these people are, this is a love story and they're falling in love. It's just the, like it, it follows a trajectory like any regular relationship would follow. It's just they're they're spending time together, and you just you get the feeling that oh they're they're falling in love, and you kind of start to root for that. And then, like I said, it gets to the end, and it and it flips. They go their separate ways. He he cuts the record, and everybody agrees that it's really good. And so he's going to go to London and try to get it. You know, follow the dream that he had. And I mean, the movie ends with him on the phone and it's like the first time you, you hear her, you know, on the phone with whoever this, this woman was that left and saying, Hey, I'm coming to London. And she's happy to hear from him. And they're basically, I mean, the the movie ends with him basically on the trajectory to get back together with whoever that love of his life was, you know? You know, and I, I love that it flips it. That it that it's like no, the happy ending isn't that these two fall in love and they go on and do wonderful things together. The happy ending is that they've 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 figured themselves out and they can move forward 
on their own trajectories, you know? Yeah. They did. They, they learned something about love and, and now they can take mm -hmm. that to the people they, mm -hmm. they really love. Right. But exactly. It's, yeah. it's interesting because the, the way you're describing it is also like kind of what happens with the movie, right? It's the movie itself is almost kind of like a pseudo documentary of, of what's happening in real life. Right. Cause like, yeah, this, this guy's trying to cut an album, you know, the, they're also trying to make a movie right in real life. They're making a movie and they finished the movie. They, they were what they were during the movie or, or during the making of the record in the story. And then now that movie's over. Right. And, and yeah, so is kind of the relationship, right? Yeah. It's, it's very artfully done. It's, it's well, well made and well put together. And I don't know about you, man, but that song, say it to me now when he sings that song in the movie, and like, I have the soundtrack to this movie because I liked it that much. In the movie, when he sings that song, I don't know about you, I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, because I, I don't know the way that he sings it, the way that he throws so much energy and emotion into it. How could he not be exhausted after singing that? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion in them in that song. And, you know, after, after I saw this movie, like I did, I bought a bunch of frames albums and I, 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 I bought a bunch of his own like uh, solo stuff. And I mean, it's just, it, this guy, he has a singular talent when it comes to playing. To get, and, you know, I could say he's got a singular musical talent, but I mean, there is something specific about being able to play the guitar and sing along appropriately to it like that. I, I mean, I know that sounds simple, like a million, millions of uh, musicians do that every day, but this guy has a talent for it that is absolutely unique uh, to, to be able to put the emotion into the playing and the singing and, and do it really well. Hmm. Uh, I, um, I was I was very much taken with with Glenn Hansard after this movie. Now I understand he's he may be less than an ideal human being. I don't know the man. And, oh really? You, know, you, you can only you can only believe so much of what you read. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea. Um, <clears throat> but this guy knows how to this guy knows how to make music about emotion. That's that's all I know. He, he knows how to make music that that actually makes me not just makes me feel what he's feeling or what he felt when he wrote the song, but it makes me feel things from my own life when I hear it. You know, you know what's funny is is that uh, these both these uh, leads, the guy and the girl, don't they don't ever go back to acting after this. It was just this one, this one, yeah, gig, and that was it. And, well, and that's because they're both musicians. Yeah, that, that's what that's they what really they do. Yeah, that's, that's what they know. really want to do, right? And they, like I, he did, uh, he did a movie called The Commitments. Oh, did he in in the nineties, which is like a sort of um, garage band makes it big and then falls apart story. Oh, I, I thought right. he, I thought he, he didn't do anything after this. No, he, he did that well before. He did that like 15 years before this movie. And so he's, he's got, he's got acting credits, but it's like, he clearly picks and chooses the movies that he wants to be in, mm. you know, 
He's been, yeah, I'm looking him up. He's been in six, six different things as an actor. Uh, a lot of which were uh, video shorts, which is kind of interesting. Right. My, I read, I read in the, uh, in the kind of uh, trivia notes that they didn't do anything after this. I guess yeah, that's no, they, they, uh, they're because they're not actors, you know. Yeah. And that's another thing that kind of makes this movie so fantastic is neither of these people are actors. They're not trained to be actors. They they don't have a lot of experience acting. They're musicians, and their performances as actors is really good. Yeah, I, I and I think that's more because it's it's actually happening. Yeah. Versus yeah. them pretending, right? So. Right. So anyway, um, so you got one more on your list. You I got wanna... one more on my list. And, and man, again, I, I got to hit this note like for, for a topic that I said I wasn't going to be able to talk much about. It's going to be a short, short show. Holy crap. Ooh, no, we're going on to three hours almost. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that or I'm going to two have, hours. I, I don't know that I'm going to have a ton to say about this movie, but uh, uh, relatively recent La La Land. I loved this movie. I absolutely loved this movie. It's another movie that comes very close to the almost the whole thing is set to music. Huh. Um, and this is one like Annie. I love it is grand. Uh, it, it has these huge uh, like crane shots and, and song and dance. Like it opens up with this song and dance number that happens in a traffic jam on the, on the highway in LA. And like the traffic jam goes on for miles and miles and miles. And you've got all of the, I mean, there had to be hundreds of people that are doing this song and dance sequence around cars in a traffic jam on, on, on the, the highway in LA. And it's shot with this crane shot. I can't even imagine pulling that shot together. I can't imagine the rehearsals and the production that had to go into that. It, it's insane. Yeah, no, it's, you got to appreciate musicals for the, for the, the effort that they put in. Cause it takes, it's like, if the person is not, doesn't have that particular talent, like dancing, yeah. for example, yep. it gonna, it's going to take hours of practice, yeah. you know, yeah. and never mind singing, singing, like you should already kind of have in your back pocket, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it, like things like dancing, if you can't do that, yeah. it's hours and hours and hours of practice. Right. It, right. It's a lot of fucking work. It's yeah. And it's, it's, and uh, it's the it, thing I appreciate about them. It's, it's how yeah. much work goes into them and, and, and the, the attention to detail, the, 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 in some, in some instances, the, the sets, the, the, not only the choreography, but also like the, the, the clothing, like all the stuff yeah. that, that goes into a movie like this is more grand, more and more of everything. And I think that that might be one of the reasons why I, I have such an affinity for musicals is these these are movies, especially nowadays when it's not popular, per se. It's not a popular genre. These are movies. If somebody's going to make a movie, they're making it out of love. Yeah. They love the craft of it, you know. And, um, and that, that sets musicals apart and it definitely sets this, this one apart. And this is, you know, directed and written by Damien Chazelle and the, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the music by, uh, with his 
his kind of musical partner is also his musical partner on Whiplash. Um, and now I'm blanking on his name because I'm a bad person. Uh, <laughs> There's a special place in hell for you, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Ju- Justin Hurwitz um, wrote a lot of the original music for this movie. Um, and like the together, um, Damien Chazelle and Justin Her- Hurwitz just make such that they, they make these movies that are powerful. Like, I don't know if you saw first man, uh, but the, the music in that movie was uh, just such a powerful component of it too. So, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to get, get hung up on other movies other than La La Land, but like the, this movie is, is made with such such love for the characters and such love for the craft of making a movie that I, I just, I don't know how somebody can watch this movie. And like, I could see watching this movie and not liking it, but I can't see watching this movie and walking away from it saying it was bad. You huh. know? So you mean like the craft of it? Yeah. Like you might not like the theme or the story or something about it, but it's not, it's not lacking you, in the craft. But you can't possibly say it's a bad movie, right? Mm, okay. Kind of like uh, No Country for Old Men. I did not like that movie. I haven't seen that movie. But I, I, I can tell movie. you, I can tell you, it it was a one, it was a wonderfully made movie. It was made by people who love what they're doing. You know that, and this this movie, I I both loved it and appreciated how well made it was. But I mean, there, there. This is another one of those similar to Once, but on a totally different scale. So Once is this really low key, low budget movie that that is driven by the songs and you know, um, not particularly uh, notable cinematography or anything like that. Like it, it's actually made to look muted, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you have La La Land where everything is over the top and, and these, these beautiful shots. And like, you, you, you can tell every moment of the movie that Damien Chazelle and, and his crew spent agonizing over how is the camera going to move and how do we want this framed and what, you know, the light, you know, agonizing over every moment of this movie. And just like once, the songs and the music and the lyrics, I mean, they, they tear into you. Mm. They grab you and they hold on to you and they, they make you feel everything. That song City of Stars, which is the music is, is thematic throughout the whole movie. The, the, the kind of riffs from that, you know, like are, are almost constantly part of the music that goes on. But I mean, it, it, they're just powerful, powerful songs. So and really good performances. I was going to ask, how is Ryan Gosling's performance? Yeah, well, and that's the thing, Ryan Gosling. He's he's like your classic triple threat. He can sing, he can dance, and he can act. You know, fucking um, fucking guy. Yeah, but Don't I mean, fucking he, kick his ass. <laughs> he's spot on in this movie, mm-hmm. and uh, Emma Stone is good. Is is good too. Um, and you know, one of the things that I think I like about that that made me like this movie is I kind of hated. Uh, Ryan Gosling's character. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I really, I, because, and, and I think you're supposed to, I mean, you, you're, you're obviously supposed to, to love him to a degree, 
but I think you're, you're supposed to um, get irritated with him because he's, he's a purist when it comes to music. He, he, he has certain thoughts and ideas about what music should be like and how music should be and what musicians and, and how musicians should treat music, you know? Okay. So tell me a little bit about the story because I have, this is, this okay, is the so other the, movie I have not seen. So the story gets sort of complex at points, but I'm, I'm going to give you the Cliff's Notes version of it is the uh, Ryan, it, it's set in Hollywood and, it, and it's a classic Hollywood story. So Ryan Gosling plays Sebastian, who is a, a, a jazz musician. He, he play, he's a jazz pianist. Interesting. Let me say that slower, slower and more clearly so that um, <laughs> is a jazz pianist. Thank you. Uh, um, I didn't, I, I wasn't going to make a joke, but, um, but I did have the thought. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Emma, so Emma Stone plays Mia, who is an actress and they're both, you know, like starving artists, you know, they, they're, they're both, um, living with basically no money, scraping together whatever they can earn and chasing their dream, you know? And Ryan Gosling's, or Sebastian's dream is to be a uh, a great jazz pianist. And, pianist. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's really steeped in, in jazz lore. And he listens to all of these recordings and he has a, a, a whole number of uh, moments where he's explaining um, the history of jazz and very specific jazz musicians to people. And, uh, you know, he gets in his own way because he's such a purist and he doesn't think anybody else appreciates jazz or knows anything about it, uh, which is... I mean, even for me, and I loved this movie, like at a certain point, it really started because Whiplash is about jazz too. And so so clearly Damien Chazelle and uh, Justin Hurwitz love jazz. Clearly it's very important to them. Otherwise they wouldn't keep making movies about it, right? Mm -hmm. But when when you have a director and, you know, his... his uh, the, the, his music partner writing movies that are giving lectures about the importance of the purity of jazz and, and the meaning of jazz through a mouthpiece of Ryan Gosling. That, that I mean, <laughs> it, it, I have problems with that because it, because it, it's like, do, are, are you really going to, going to set this up that that this and, and the thing is ryan gosling from what i can from, i mean i kind of gathered he kind of came from money like his character sebastian like had rich parents or or something like that and, and he was choosing to live this starving artist life uh and it's like so so wait a second privileged white kid is gonna lecture the world about jazz oh and then and then uh and and i mean and the same the same thing happened in whiplash that's another movie that i really like but it's the same thing it's the the whole movie is 
is is is white people defining the jazz experience and and (laughs) there are problems with that man there are big (laughs) big problems with that you know um but uh so back to the story so sebastian meets mia they're both you know desperately what they they want to become stars that's what they want and they get they fall in love and they kind of have a relationship and they um and then they both start to get successful right uh so, but they they start getting successful on different trajectories um sebastian kind of gets in with an old uh musical partner that he used to work with who's who's putting together a band and asks him to come and play for for their recording sessions and they cut a record that becomes popular and then they become like like superstars right Hmm. And meanwhile, Mia is still trying to get get her career going. And then, you know, finally she starts getting opportunities and they both become successful. But as they become successful, um, they kind of realize that like Sebastian is is far too into his jazz to be able to share that, to, to share space in his life for her. And she's she's um as wrapped up in her own career that she has less space for him and so you know the movie's about them becoming very successful and and living out their dreams but the price that they have to pay for that is is you know they lose each other uh but now uh, back to the topic of so you've got you've got white millennial kids preaching to the world about the jazz experience <laughs> and then in the movie ryan gosling's break comes from playing jazz with his partner who happens to be played by john legend oh wow and then and then they have and it's john legend's band it's not his band so he's he's not even like the the heavy in the band okay now he becomes he becomes very famous and very lauded and and people love his music, but he and and the John Legend character whose name I can't remember have you know a couple of blows where they where they argue about the meaning of the music and and purity of the music and you know there the John Legend is. Uh, according to Sebastian, like letting the studio dictate, you know, he's basically selling out, you know, letting the studio dictate the music. And, and, you know, again, it's like, did what really (laughs) you're going to, you're going to have Ryan Gosling dictating to John legend about the purity of music. That doesn't, again, that's, that's, that's a little broken. Well, I mean, and, but I now at at the end of it, he kind of Ryan Gosling, the Sebastian kind of finds a happy place and, and figures out like you have to make you know you you have to be flexible. So it, you, you it, know. it it sounds like like it's something that the character needs to do in terms of. And it sounds like something like the character needs to grow in as the movie goes on. It doesn't sound like it's a fault of the writing or anything like that. It's, it's something that they, 
they wrote yeah, in. Yeah, although I mean, because I, I mean, they have John Legend. They got John Legend right, to tell right. this kid, "You're full of sh- you don't know what you're talking." Right, about. Yeah. but at the same time, you've got you've got John Legend, and you you you've got Ryan Ryan Gosling as the one who is kind of held up as having a you know John Legend is kind of shown as as somebody who has uh, a love for the music and, and a deep understanding and respect for it, but is willing to compromise in order to, to actually have success, you know? Uh-huh. And, and I, I wouldn't even say like in a negative way, not like he's willing to compromise on his ideals or anything. He's just willing to compromise and make, and make music that maybe is a little more approachable, you know? Uh-huh. And, and Ryan Gosling is like this rigid purist and it kind of sets sets it up as like how come on you cannot do this you you cannot make the case that at a at a level of purity a white guy understands jazz better than a black guy you cannot do that that is that is it's inappropriate it is so thoroughly inappropriate well i'm not well let's approach it this way now i haven't seen the movie um so let's let's preface my my chiming in with with that but uh just on a general level if you're going to create something you want eventually to make money off of it right yeah if uh if you make something regardless of how pure or or you know true it is to the item that you're creating or to the genre or whatever if nobody buys it then you're just kind of not, well, you're just kind of like me, you know, it's just kind of well, self-satisfying. I, it's not, it's not, it stops being art. I think one of the things that makes art, art is, is that it's, it, you know, it's shareable, right? I, I get it at the same time. I think if you were to reverse the roles and have John Legend playing Sebastian, it wouldn't have hurt anything. Hmm. It would have still been a marketable movie and, and it still would have been as, as good. But now, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm playing the sensitivity game here, right? And, uh-huh. you know, I, I think we, we have to at least try to account for motive. And, like, do I think Damien Chazelle is, like, motivated by, by making movies that, that kind of depict you know, tell, tell the story of white people who love jazz. No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like a conscious thing. I don't think he's sitting there thinking, you know, thinking about racial sensitivities or cultural appropriation when he's making a movie. I I just don't think it's there in his mind. Um, And I think (coughs) I may be approaching the topic a little bit from an oversensitive standpoint, but you know, when you have two, smash movies where that's that's the theme is that you've got you've got young white people (laughs) yeah you know uh dictating the terms of 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 the terms and meaning of jazz Mm -hmm. i mean again like i don't i don't think it's on purpose you know but it it does, at least for me, it it kind of like makes me think about it. It 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 makes me open my eyes and say this this is this is maybe not correct, you know. 
I'm going to have to watch it now. Um, I've seen it and, or I haven't seen it. I've seen it in my stream and I've been wanting to watch it. And I, there's always, there's always some reason for me not to watch it. Cause there's a billion things on my list that I don't get to. Um, and this is one of them. And I've, I've, I don't know how many times I've wanted to watch it. And now, now you're making me super duper curious, um, uh, to see if 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 maybe your interpretation of it is a little too harsh, or if and, there's something, you know, I, I I'm I'd be willing to say that my interpretation of it is on the harsh side of things, but mm-hmm. I mean, you you do have to ask yourself, like, is there is there a better way that you could tell this story by maybe being a little bit more conscious of where jazz came from? Well, I think, I think, and this is another kind of thing that we've been kind of dancing around, uh, pun not intended, uh, uh, in terms of subject, like uh, you and I have talked about this before, and uh, even Emily and I have also talked about it, just in general, like, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's about the topic of like, uh, just sensitivity, uh, uh, you know, uh, cultural appropriation, all these topics, right? Like, uh, what if there, what if this, could this movie been done better if, uh, maybe the actors were different, right? Could we have selected uh, a person of a certain race or uh, age or something that would have made this movie, uh, more believable, more acceptable, uh, I think Hollywood has this problem and it still kind of has this problem. It it's getting, it's much, much, much better. But like we've mentioned before, the, the, the topic of ghost in the shell comes up because it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Scarlett Johansson playing an Asian person. Right. Uh, and, and even this, this little actress in this movie, the, the uh, her, um, Emma Stone is guilty of doing the same thing in another movie where right. she plays she a Hawaiian, plays a Hawaiian. Yeah. You, you know, like, no, like, and, <laughs> you know, it kind of, it kind of feeds into like what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't know that like there's like a conscious process here, you know, Mm -hmm. because like after that happened with Emma Stone, she was basically like, you know, it just didn't occur to us. Yeah. You know, and and And, and that's 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 kind of part of the problem is that people don't think about things in that way, you know. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, I mean, you, you have to. You have to reserve a little bit of room in for for slack, you know, to be like, like we've all finally been thrust into a situation where we have to be more conscious of these things, and that's a good thing. But for you know, you gotta cut a little bit of slack for we're still learning, you know. Yeah, we're still learning how how to add that into our psyche. You know, it, and it's and I have I have trouble with it. Right. Because I think there's points where it's like we're too sensitive. And there's points where we're like not sensitive enough, like like what you're saying. Uh, maybe this movie would have been better if John Legend was the lead. Right. Um, I There's movies where we watch where people are walking around and it's like 
the 1930s and they're rocking around like they're just like everybody else. There's no oppression. There's no slavery. There's like, there's no racism. There's no segregation. There's none of the things that make sense historically for the time frame. Like, does like what kind of movie are we making? You know, can we like? Right. I'm fine with alternate history, alternate reality, alternate you know dimensions, whatever. But um, can we? Can we? Like maybe. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say should that we should address it and say, okay, this movie happened in planet mirth, you know, and <laughs> everybody here is a dog cat person, you know, like, I don't care. You know, it's just that you don't have to explain it to me, but let's not pretend that uh, things weren't a certain way in a certain time frame. but also let's not be ignorant and, and, and not cast the best people for the roles, right? Like, I don't care about your bottom line. It's easy for me to say, I'm not a producer, I'm not the person putting money into these movies um, who wants their return. Yeah. But also I don't want to be insulted or be taken out of, because that's the other thing. There's another problem with, with something like this is you take me out of suspension of, dis, of disbelief. I start, be, be, like, I don't believe it anymore that that what's going on the screen is actually happening. I'm no longer immersed. I am taken out by the fact that this person's that, that person's that, that other thing is that. Like Cloud Atlas is a movie um, um, Emily I mentioned. Could, I, I could not make it through that movie. That movie, I, I made it through only because I was, I was a Wachowski fan. And, and it is just too weird for me to watch. Like I, I watched it. I can say I watched it. I, I don't care for it. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand what it's trying to do. I can appreciate for what it's trying to do and kind of like the things it's trying to kind yeah. of get I, through. I got like forty-five minutes into that movie, and I looked at the, like I paused it, and I was like, "There's still like three hours." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just abandoned it. No, no. I, I took, I took breaks. It was like a marathon, you know, um, but it, it, I made it through, but it was more like, I must get through this fucking movie. And I was like, I don't know if I'm better for it. You know, like, you know, I saw some white dude play an Asian person. I think that's weird. You know, like, I, I hate that kind of crap. You know, I hate yeah. that kind of crap. There are plenty of actors you could have picked up to kind of do these things. I understand the exercise of what they were doing. It was a very expensive exercise um in in like this multi you know uh, yeah the story shifts around in time basically yeah and it's it's like the same characters sort of getting reincarnated through time yeah and and i understand it's very cool uh in in kind of in theory but uh on screen it doesn't work it just, and I don't think it'll ever work. Like, and I guess, you know, more power to them for being ambitious. Yes. You know, um, failures born out of ambition are not failures in my mind. They're, that's how you learn. You, you, you know, you fail, you poured your heart and soul into it. You went really big and really ambitious and it failed. Yeah. That doesn't make it a failure. You still have a lot of things that you've been able to learn from that. Well, and, and it and it taught us 
that that shit's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, so like, you know, win, win, I guess, you know, but uh, like, you know, I won't, yeah, I, I won't I, make a movie like that. <laughs> I feel like the only movie that I've seen that really does that and does it in a way that I actually was mostly okay with it was Tropic Thunder. <laughs> but that's but that's because it was like meta it was like he knew he was he that the, the actor knew what he was doing uh-huh. and everybody else was like this is this is really a bad idea uh-huh. and and so it it was like the whole thing was played as yes everyone involved knows this is a bad idea and um we're going to play that right we're going we're we're going to we're going to go in deep we're going to go we're we're going to dive deep and we're going to we're going to marry ourselves to <laughs> to to portraying this like we know we everybody knows it's a bad idea and every joke that we do uh with Robert Downey Jr's character in this movie is going to illustrate just how stupid and bad of an idea it is. dude that movie that movie's so fucking great that movie's so fucking great. It's still one of my favorite fucking comedies. Yeah. Maybe that's what we should do. We should do comedies next. But uh, or maybe maybe jump off of movies and try something different. I don't know. Okay, we could do that. Well, you know. well, let's talk about it. Well, we'll talk because about it. Because I'll tell you, the more that we hint at it and the more that we talk about it, about how we're gonna do it, the more I just don't want to do Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> yeah, we keep talking about Ghost in the Shell. And- like I will, I will happily do a Ghost in the Shell episode where we talk primarily about the anime and then spend like five minutes talking about how the live action movie was just wrong. Uh, but I, I just, I don't know that it, it'll be such an acerbic, mean spirited podcast if we have to do it. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to shit on anything. I think uh, right. Yeah, it's too easy to shit on things, and, and it's like, um, and and I do. I, I we kind of do it here and there. Like I don't. I don't want to poo poo stuff. Like yeah, if, like if at it, the same time, I'm saying La La Land is one of my favorite musicals. Right. Yeah. Like I, I may have. I, I may have been shitting on it in one particular aspect. Uh-huh. That's a truly. I would say like a subjective aspect. Like that's my take. Right. Uh-huh. But but I love the movie. I I don't feel like I was shitting on it. I feel like I was, you know, speaking about something that I I felt like was a flaw. It's, you know. You're you you compliment you're complimenting them like like uh, old married couple, oh the old hag in the fucking kitchen. <laughs> I mean, this, but I love her, I guess. <laughs> it's very yeah. You, you're become you're slowly becoming a, a Mexican as well. So yeah. oh wow, really? <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. Eh, you know why not? <laughs> Is, would that count as cultural appropriation? Oh, dude, if if I can eat a taco I, and you well, can eat a taco, it's fine. The, it's fine. The the Polish and Mexican cultures share many things. I think so. I Love think. of accordions. <laughs> Uh, we we love, do love our fucking accordions, man. <laughs> love of accordions, love of misery, misery. A reverence, frankly, like a reverence for misery. Misery, the, the whole aspect of there must be pain in order for it to work. No, or, I, I will tell love. you, my my grandmother, who was from Poland, my mom is from Poland too. Actually, it's funny how that works out. But uh, <laughs> my grandmother, who was from Poland, I, I mean, I always used to say she she wasn't happy unless she was miserable. Yeah. <laughs> You know, 
it, that that kind of me that that whole dual nature of being is engraved in in the Aztec culture. Our old deities were actually uh, are the 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 life giver of life was also the giver of death in, in, yeah, the, the, in the, the giver of the giver of life was also the taker of life yes 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 so there's a lot of that the you know he made rain and he also made sunshine like you know, it's, <laughs> yeah yeah like uh that's that's in everything that that's ingrained in every piece and i am not surprised that the polish people probably also have something like that because um i think it's just human nature right and i think yep. if if you live in a place that's kind of miserable <laughs> you know uh yeah. You're going to have to find happiness in misery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I always used to joke the, uh, the Polish nan- national anthem is, if you translate it is called Poland is not yet lost. Uh, not, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Well, but we're not getting yet. there. <laughs> we're not yet lost, but it's coming. You know? <laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit! Man, what, okay, so what we're at like what three and a half hours? We're, no, we're no two two, two, two forty six. Yes, yes, we're we're All getting right. well. I don't think I have anything more to say on La La Land or any of these musicals other than go watch them. I will watch them. Yeah. I will watch La La Land and I will watch uh, Going My Way. Uh, I haven't and, seen those, and uh, and I, frankly, I, like going my watch any any Bing Crosby musical, any of them. Just watch watch Bing Crosby musicals. Watch a few Bing Crosby movies to to get what I'm saying about like his mode of speech, the way he speaks, the words he uses. I mean, it it's entertaining just in itself. I dig that that whole kind of ad lib making up words, you know, thing. Yeah. But uh, oh, one of the things I wanted to mention is my honorable mentions that I kind of failed to mention before. And, and my cousin, my cousin Dan, actually is like, "Motherfucker, you didn't talk about this one." And I'm like, "God damn it!" You know. And it was, it was like he sent me a text, and I was like, "How come I didn't have this on my list?" You know, like here's another one that should have been on my list: Little Shop of Horrors. Oh yeah, okay, that's that's a good one. Like I should have fucking had Little Shop of Horrors on it, man. Like I mean, it has Steve Martin it and has Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. It's got like a fucking awesome cast, man. Like. I, I will. It's not one of my favorite musicals by any means because it doesn't really have any earworms that get inside your head, you know. Mm. But it is a fun, fun movie. It is a fun movie. But I guess the other thing too is is like one of the things that I uh, one of the criteria for it being on my list is you know how classic it is and also like it, it did something in terms of like it made way for something else or you know and and I don't know if Little Shop of Horror is really kind of did that um it's unique kind of like how because it has like a horror kind of bent to it like um the the demon barber one that i had on my list right the uh, sweeney, sweeney todd, todd yeah, yeah which i fucking i, I love sweeney todd but i got a kick out of that movie but i got a I, shameful secret i'm not the world's biggest tim burton fan what i'm just not it, this podcast, like, I, it's like I don't know who you are anymore. Well, it's because <laughs> your video's been frozen for the last two years. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, the fucking video. I don't know what happened here, man. Uh, but anyway, like, so there's Little Shop of Horrors. 
there's a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, show oh, but I got to admit, uh, I, I the only reason it's in my honorable mentions is because I, I, I think it's cool. I like what it does. I'm not a fan of that movie. You what, know, Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror. You know, when I was younger, when I was in high school, uh, they used you, you remember they used to do like the cult showings of that movie. Yeah, I used to. I used to go. I used to do that. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you a big fan of Rocky Horror? Ah, uh, to be honest, not really. Like I had, I had <laughs> a friend. I had a friend who was really into it, and I sort of, kind of got really into it. I never really liked it that much, but kind of the experience, just like anything else, the experience of going and and hanging Dressing out with people and, yeah. Yeah. and doing that whole thing it was was fun. You know, there's a movie theater here in in in. Um in Chicagoland um, that does uh, showings every now and then uh, every Halloween, they'll, they'll yeah. show Rocky horror picture show and all the crazies come out and dressed up and ready to watch that movie. And I guess they sing yeah. along and all that stuff. It's yeah. The, there are responses that you have uh, and, and all that stuff. I barely remember it was such a long time ago, but I mean, I, I like it enough. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a truly bizarre movie. Uh huh. I've seen it enough in my life that I don't need to watch it again. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth a mention because it's a, it's a big deal in terms of musical cinema. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's um, it's got uh, Tim Curry in it. It's, it's a really kind of, uh, it's got some kind of, it does really have like, like you're saying earworms in it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's, it's not one of my favorites, but I think it, it it's worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then there's also, uh, and the only reason I really, really, really like this movie, and the only reason I didn't include it in my list, and I wish I would have mentioned it before, is because it's just too new. You know, it's like that friend that you just met, and you know he's part of the group, he's new to the group, and he starts making fun of you, but you're not there yet. You know, it's like no, motherfucker, you you can't. <laughs> You can't make fun of me. You you don't know who I am. Like where did you get off? I am so glad we're well part well well past that part. Oh no, you and I we're you know that's where we're, we're <laughs> past that. No, but there's like the guy you've only known the guy for like a week and he's already trying to fucking make fun of you. He's already like like busting your chops. Yeah, I was just like, no, nah, dude, you don't get the bus, boss. Hold on, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's where Jingle Jangle is. You know, like I just met you. You you do you don't make it in my. Jingle Jangle. It's on Netflix. Jingle j Jingle Jangle. Okay, the Christmas yeah. movie. The Christmas movie. It is fantastic. It is. Uh, I. But like I said, there's some things about it. I, I don't know how I feel about it yet. And maybe if, with a little more time, I'll. Because it's got Ricky Martin playing something like weird little character, and and, and it's kind of uh, stereotypical, you know, and it bugs me a little bit. But I don't know how much. Um, and, and I might begin, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I guess, you know, getting back to that con conversation, I, there, there's such a, like a really weird subjective line there Yeah, where like it, it's, it's acceptable if it's like either making fun of itself, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Or, or like the actors, like 100% on board with it. If the actor is like 100% on board, I'm going to play this, and and we're we're playing it up to to make a to make a joke about the stereotype. It's like there's it's like a, a weird line where it's like okay, that might be okay. 
Well, um, not to not to tell you too much because I, I I think you should watch it. it. It's a fantastic movie. Oh, I'm it's, gonna watch it now. It's 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 got some really grand scenes. Like everything that you love about a musical, the dancing, the singing, the fucking, the, 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 the props, the costumes, it's, it's big. It goes big and it goes big, like right out of the gate. And I, I remember sitting, I was watching this and I remember thinking like, and I like musicals and I, but like, I may not be a fan like you are. I was sitting there and I was like, this is fucking fantastic. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Look at that, right. guy, that guy's flipping that that I'm like, what? Like, what? And it's like, I was, I had a fucking blast. Um, but right. well, but, I have I have about what 21 days left to watch it before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, so but like the point I want to make, uh, and, and again, I don't want to give too much away, but Ricky Martin's Puerto Rican, he's playing a um, um, like a, a robot that is a uh, uh, a bullfighter, and bullfighters are from Spain, and it's yeah. very kind of caricature caricature like. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I'm not yeah. Spanish. Okay, that's yeah, that's okay. You know that's what I'm saying? Crossing like, some lines. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. Like I, don't mm. I, like I really don't know how I feel about it. Like I really don't. Right. Um, I was going to say, but I mean, th this is a really stupid thing to say, but like, didn't, isn't bullfighting, like, didn't, didn't that sort of get imported to some of the like Central American and South American cultures? He, I think Spanish it does. It, 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 yeah. But like, I don't know if it's popular in Puerto Rico though. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I like, I, he's not, I don't think he's playing. He's not playing a Puerto Rican. He's not playing a Puerto Rican. Yeah. I think he's just playing. Mm, a robot stereotypical <laughs> yeah. think about how wagon stereotypical latino yeah. robot basically <laughs> you know so, your stereotypical latino robot is one in every movie well yeah they're everywhere you know i have one in my house <laughs> it cleans it cleans the you know it cleans the gutters or whatever <laughs> like yeah fun, fun fact the t1000 was latino ah yeah you what <laughs> I'm making shit up. Oh, just, wait a minute. What? <laughs> the T1000, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. No. Yeah. yeah. The T1000 was Robert Patrick. Oh. Arnold Schwarzenegger was a T800. What? Who am I talking to? Dude, you're talking to the guy who can't remember his, who can't remember names. Like T1000? Okay. I'm sorry. I I, I should know but better. The, the T1000 could be anybody. Right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. That's right. So, so, but he's not necessarily, you know, from, you know, Mexico. He could okay, probably. We, he might we've, be. We've pushed. I think we've pushed this joke as far as we should. Yeah. No, you're <laughs> right. I think we need to leave it alone. <laughs> uh, but anyway, watch Jingle Jangle. It's it's fantastic. Um, it, I, I really had, and and it's got it's got Lawrence Lawrence Fishburne in it. No, Forrest Whitaker. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Forrest, Forrest Whitaker. Completely different cats. <laughs> I don't know why I said Lawrence Fishburne. It's just I love Lawrence Fishburne because he was in the there's Fishburne. there's some kind of weird uh, sibilance there. Lawrence Fishburne, Forrest Whitaker. For some reason, it, it's it's like their names have like a similar cadence and sibilance to them. 
Yes, I am doing. I am doing the Travolta thing, where I'm calling. Where <laughs> basically, I'm, I'm saying Adele. Adele Dazim. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, which and, may be my favorite moment from the Oscars <laughs> ever. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> oh, poor Dina Menzel. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Well, let's, well, let's call it quits. It, we're, we're, we're in the three hours, according to my timer here. But yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. How Although I think is. there's around 119, there's probably about 20 seconds you can cut out. So you know, <laughs> that might get a squeak, squeak us right under. <laughs> yeah. All right, but, man. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Everybody should go out and watch more musicals so that they start making more musicals because I love musicals. I, and with I, that, man. I just want to say Adele Dazeem, good night and good luck. <laughs> All right. This is Edgar Otra Vez with Not My Cousin Dan. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. This nifty little song you're listening to is called Few Things, and it's by Soup. S-O-O-P, which I think that's how you pronounce that. And you can find this over at Epidemic Sound. So me and not my cousin Dan, we've been friends a long time. This man has been to my wedding. He's 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 a cool guy. I I you know I I've known him a while, but <laughs> there's a lot about him I did not know. And I, it was just a joy to find out uh, during this podcast. It, it's it's crazy. You think you know someone. Uh, and then they reveal to you that they love musicals. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening. Again, if you want to support the podcast, head on over to shop.theflowrowpodcast.com. Get yourself an empty mug, uh, maybe a, a throw pillow, something. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.